That's right, live, back in action on the third day of the third month of the year. It's only fitting that the third and three podcast is here. It also happens to be our third season together, and this is the 13th episode you're listening to right now. So that's got to mean something. What it means, I don't have a freaking clue, but I think it's pretty cool. So the third and three podcast, again, back, proudly presented by the Sports Column, and this badass show is brought to you by Anchor Radio. The number three being the common thread here, the genesis of what was created when Tricky Nicky Gist and the real deal Damian Adams and myself decided to create the show. And we haven't stopped, baby. We've been keeping our own role. And the support from you guys, everybody out there, the community, the podcast community, just fantastic, flattering things people are saying about us. And it goes a long way. And believe me, we recognize it, which is why we do our shout out segment. So, like I said, it takes the three of us. It's a triangle offense. You know, you got the Bermuda Triangle. Now you have the third and three podcast triangle over here. And it couldn't be done without my partners. Like I said, first is always ladies first. Tricky Nikki Gist in the house. How are we doing today? We are good. I'm happy to be here. I didn't realize all those threes lined up. That's my favorite number. I was born on the third. So maybe I'm going to huh? play the lottery. Yeah. Oh, yeah this, <laughs> I was thinking the same. I swear to God, when I saw all this, I'm like, wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> Shout like, out to do- all the three birthdays out there. No, I'm not until right. September, but still. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, Damien. It's got to mean something, man. But then that 13 is thrown in there. Let's hope it's a lucky 13, bro. Yeah, we could see, you know, hopefully it's a lucky 13. You know, it could be a James Harden 13. You know, he was able oh. to, yeah, be lucky enough to get his way out of Houston into Brooklyn. So maybe we could be that type of 13, but it's definitely, I didn't know. I even think about the threes lining up until you just said it just now. So should be an extra special episode of the third and three podcast. I'm ready to go. It's got to mean something, man. Like I said, no doubt about it. Yeah, James Harden, how about them retiring his jersey in Houston as he goes to play there tonight? That's a whole nother story over here. Wednesday night, third and three on the third day of the third month of the year. Like I said, so Hey, here we go. Shout outs. That's our first thing. Like we said, we'd love to show back the love. And I'm going with an interesting one this week, guys. My shout out's going to Kimberly A. Martin of ESPN. Yes, I'm going there. Her Twitter handle is by Kimberly Martin. I'm sorry, by Kimberly A. The by is B-Y. She, not that you need me to find her. You can find her easily on uh, you know Twitter or anything. But she's covered the NFL for over a decade now. And as a team beat reporter in New York and in other places, She's hosted an all-female football show called Cover 3, so talk about Women's Month. Now she's worked her way up through the line at ESPN and is on Get Up with 
Greeny, and she's been doing an amazing job. And I even told her so on Twitter, and she was kind enough to thank me. I'm a fan of her work. You know, I don't become fans of people, you know, I'm 40 freaking years old. You know what I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of like the Avengers or something like that, but not of like, you know, certain people, unless they're really high figures, but I've become fans of certain people in different ways. And I've become a fan of her. You know, we don't see many females covering the NFL, even black females for that matter. So she deserves all the good things coming to her, not because of her colors of her skin, but the knowledge in her brain and her experience in the field. So I just want to give a big up to her now that she's on the main screen every morning. So congrats to you, Kimberly A. Martin. I like that one right there a lot. Good shout out. She's very talented. So yeah, that's a very good shout out. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Would you like to take the next one? So yeah, my shout out goes out to Justin Lee, the host of the Above the Rim podcast. Uh, It's all basketball. So if you're a huge basketball fan, go ahead and check out his podcast, Above the Rim. And you can find him on Twitter at JustBlaze underscore 513. That's J-U-S-B-L-A-Z-E underscore 513 on Twitter. And go ahead and subscribe to his podcast, Above the Rim. Dope show. His knowledge on basketball is crazy. So you go ahead and check him out. Yeah, I love the name of the show already. Definitely makes me want to listen to it. Sounds very intriguing right there. All right. All right, to wrap it up, Nikki, what do you got? Um, so our friend Courtney Harden put together an amazing list the other night um, where he shouted out uh, hashtag women in sports. And he did this list of people, women who have podcasts or, you know, ESPN personalities or Fox personalities, anybody in sports. He was so kind enough to add me to that list, which was crazy because there's some amazing women on there. So shout out to Courtney. Um but I'm also going to shout out I Love Sports Mimi. She's on Twitter at SportsDiva82. She is the co-host of the Chain Reaction and Red Cup Rants. Um, she's got some great sports content. We are talking right now about being guests on each other's show. So I know she's looking forward to it. We are looking forward to it. So I hope we connect shortly in the future. Yeah, I saw that, uh, you, you guys' uh, connection on um, Twitter over there. I think that's great. That Yeah, that should open up a lot of great things and should be a great list, and I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. So great connections right there, great shout-outs all around, all well-deserved, and that's how we'd like to do it over here. All right, so the yeah, pleasant... Yeah, Nikki, tell Correct. Donna to be easy on my saints, all right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Oh, baby. Here we go. Here we go. So, yep. Like I said, pleasantries are in there, ready to go. It is time to rock and roll. Let the show begin. And, you know, uh, we always do it with neighborhood news. So why not obviously start there, Nikki? And we know how you love to throw them tomatoes, girls. So why don't you rock and roll and get this bad boy going, get the crowds booing, get everybody upset. And let's, you know, <laughs> stop the whining a little bit over here. But let's get it going here, sweetie. What do you got this week? Okay, so here we go with tomatoes. Have you guys seen this uh, Ann Herbert story? No. Okay. No. Okay, so Ann Herbert uh, was the VP and GM of Nike North America. Um, So she worked for the company for 25 years. So I'm throwing my tomatoes at her dipshit of a son who just cost her her job. Um, this kid takes her corporate card, her company corporate card with her name on it, makes one purchase 
of $132,000 to get these special edition shoes that nobody else could get, right? He uses that bot program where you go in, you scoop it up and regular people like us can't get it. Um, so of course, and, and he makes a $20,000 profit in a day. So of course this flags to Nike, right? He comes out, says, oh, I didn't get any insider information. Now, like, I don't know why you're just going to admit that. Like, you shut your mouth until until you got a lawyer. I mean, why are you just going to come out and say, I don't have insider info? What? So I cannot believe this kid would be so stupid enough to think that a $132,000 purchase is not going to flag an investigation from Nike. And I'm seeing people out there going, oh, well, you know, she must have known and she was in on it. And Listen, I don't think so. And the fact that, yeah, you made $20,000 in, in profit, but your mom makes like millions and millions of dollars. You just cost her a job. You've got to be the biggest moron I've ever read about. And if that was my <laughs> kid, I would never talk to them again. I wouldn't. Nope. Oh, man. Does anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of what it sounds like over there. Wow, that was deep right there. Wow, that's I got to read more up on that. So that's some serious tomato action going on yeah, over there. Yeah, but throwing them because you're a moron. Still, <laughs> <laughs> things is great. Oh man! All right, Dan, you're up, man. Let's hear it. Uh, so for my tomatoes, I'm throwing them at LeBron James. Oh, right. Oh, I can't for, wait. For two reasons. So number one. Last week, the NBA All-Star Reserves were announced, right? And initially, Devin Booker wasn't on the team. Uh, there was only 12 spots, and he didn't get one of those 12 spots, but he did get in as an alternate because Anthony Davis is hurt and can't play. So when the teams were officially announced first without the alternate, LeBron James comes out and says, Devin Booker is the most disrespected star in the NBA, right? And everybody's like, yeah, you're right. He should be on the team. Problem is, there's only 12 spots. So when you say that, that means you're saying somebody else doesn't deserve a spot. Come out and say who you think doesn't deserve to be on a team. You can't just say, oh, Devin Booker deserves a spot. That means you're saying there's only 12 spots. Who doesn't deserve a spot? If you're going to be mad enough to say Devin Booker deserves a spot and you're going to call out the coaches for not voting them in, call out who shouldn't be there. All right, that's number one. Number two. He never did the dunk contest, right? The most athletic guy we've ever seen in the NBA never did a dunk contest, and it's well beyond done now. We're not going to ask him to do it now at year 18. (laughs) And because of that, I think it's going to influence others to not do it. So Zion isn't doing a dunk contest this year. Uh, In the dunk contest this year, we have Anthony Simmons, Cassius Stanley, and Obi Toppin. Now, you only know those names if you're an NBA diehard, right? If you're a casual fan, you have no idea who those guys are, mm-hmm. right? And they might put on the show, right? I know Obi Toppin definitely has hops. I saw some of his highlights in college. Uh, Cassis Stanley, he has bunnies as well. So we do have people in the dunk contest who can jump and may put on a show. But it's always better when you have stars, right? The reason we remember Jordan versus Dominique is because we had two of the best players in the NBA putting on this show. Yeah. Now yeah. you could get a show without stars, like when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon would at it, which may be the best on contest of all time. They weren't stars. Like Zach Levine's a star now and Aaron Gordon, you know, hasn't grown to that, but is better known now. 
But when you get stars, it makes it better. But because LeBron James didn't want to do it, I think was scared of the expectations of it. Someone like a Zion may fall in that footprint and say, ah, everybody's going to expect Zion to put on a Vince Carter-esque show. I can't do that. I don't want to be under that pressure. I'm not going to do it. Now, maybe Zion does it in the future, but it'll be so awesome to see a Zion versus another star in the dunk contest. But I think LeBron James's influence over the younger stars might stop them from doing it. So I'm throwing all my tomatoes at LeBron James. Very interesting. I mean, yeah, to address the first point, uh, yeah, you know, it's hard to step up against one of your peers and say, okay, well, somebody shouldn't be here, but you're saying it. So which one of the guys I hear you on that one? The other thing I've always been disappointed that LeBron didn't do the dunk contest. He could have won it. And I understand maybe he didn't want the embarrassment or maybe he thought he was too big for it. I honestly really don't know the true root of the reason, but I will say something about Zion in the dunk contest. This guy, first of all, he's phenomenal. And we can talk basketball right now. And, you know, we don't have a whole lot of time for it. But I'm loving what he's doing. Even when he misses, he gets his own rebound and puts it back up. He's a monster. Uh, I don't see him winning a dunk contest, though, because he's so heavy. I don't know if he's going to be able to do those spectacular dunks. The power? Yeah. I think that he could probably break the rim in half like Shaq did. So I'll give you that one right there. But uh, I do I do like where you went. I thought that was pretty interesting, Nikki. Yeah, no, hey, I, I love it. Especially that's double tomatoes for a LeBron. But I'm with you guys. If you're going to say it, then you got to have the balls to finish the conversation and go ahead, call it out. I mean, don't, like, you can't be half pregnant, right? So come on, call it out. And <laughs> you, you listed those names. I know who Obi is, but other than that, I, I'm like a casual fan. I ain't watching that. Who? Who? <laughs> I'm sure there's a below deck rerun to catch or something. I love it. Well, that was well done. Very good. Very well thought out. I like it. All right, let me give mine. I've been hearing a whole lot of this from a whole lot of fans around the league. And that guy that they're booing is J.J. Watt for going to Arizona, thinking that, all right, this guy wants a championship or whatever it is. You know what? Everybody's mind is twisted differently. So I'm going to boo the people who say this is a bad move for J.J. Watt. Who do you who, who were you to say it's a bad move for J.J. Watt? It was unexpected because we thought that he would want to go to a championship built team ready. But maybe Arizona is better than other people thought. DeAndre Hopkins may have had an influence. Whatever it is, Arizona is awesome. Damien can tell you that. There's a lot of great things around there. And a lot of players are attracted to play there. Also, because from what I hear, Damien, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that their off-season program is really not tough. It's very, very light, as opposed to some teams who are still very old school and like to put on the pads and whatnot, even though NFL, they have restrictions. So... My point is I'm booing the fans for saying that and I'm applauding J.J. Watt for doing what he wants. You know what? I guess an NFL championship isn't everything to him, but I can also boo him at the same time and throw tomatoes at him for me realizing over the years and hearing things that he's been a selfish player to some extent to a guy who wants to really just put up individual stats. Not saying that he doesn't care about winning. I'm not trying to go there at all. But his individual stats is what is going to get him paid, obviously. So I've heard a lot about about that from other players and, you know, through the pipeline and whatever and whatnot. So 
obviously Houston again falling apart, losing everybody, and we'll see if Watson goes next. But JJ Watt can make whatever decision he wants, and he made a lot of money going over to Arizona to play on a team who does have potential to do something. So I'd like everybody to stop booing what J.J. Watt wanted to do. He didn't have to go to Buffalo. He didn't have to go to Kansas City. He didn't have to go to Green Bay. Maybe he wants to be in the sun and relax and enjoy that part of life. So that's what I have to say about that one, guys. Is there any disagreement there or any thoughts on that? Well, I definitely don't disagree. On my podcast, I talked about it. And I said, look at the cities that we thought he was going to and look where he ended up. So ended up in Phoenix, right? Probably going to live in Scottsdale. If you know anything about Phoenix, Scottsdale is really nice. That's where all the celebrities live. Charles Barkley, all those people. I'd have to do a better job of running into these people so I get them on our podcast. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But a, a lot of people live in Scottsdale, Arizona, right outside of Phoenix. You probably will live there. So Phoenix, you have great weather nine months out the year. And during the summer, if you want to get away from the heat, just stay inside in your central AC. Buffalo, really? We're going to compare the weather and the different right. city. Buffalo, right. Green Bay, he's from Wisconsin. He knows what that's like. He didn't want to go back. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland. Oh. <laughs> uh, Indianapolis. I heard it's really nice, but again, that weather, not trying to deal with that during the off season. You want to live, you want to live comfortably. And plus he knew people here like D hop and also um, the defense coordinator as well. So you want to be comfortable and Arizona is on the cusp of being a winning team. Now I don't think they get to Super Bowl stats with him, but maybe they will be competitive. So it's not like he went to, you know, Jacksonville. It right. was like, let me just get this money. No, he went to a place that's going to be competitive and did what's best for him and wants to be comfortable and all you know when you think about retirement where do you go florida or arizona yeah yeah there you go there you go you know uh he ain't a young pup and look to make a point to you nikki and i want to hear your thoughts he's obviously not the player that he was and you look over his stats i mean uh he did have a couple of good seasons when he wasn't injured um but only five sacks last year he did play an entire season um, not too many tackles or whatever. So they're not going to get the best of J.J. Watt. But, you know, him along with Chris Chandler, that's going to be a pretty nice duo. And, you know, like Dee was saying, uh, this is a team that's not a bad team at all. They're in a competitive division. I'll give you that. But you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Yeah, of course. I mean, no, they're not going to get his his best. I mean, maybe his, you know, prime days are behind him. But he's not going to a loser either. Listen, no. I heard through the grapevine that Phoenix – have some amazing strip clubs. And I think that was what really made him <laughs> decide to go to Arizona. So, Hey, I can't blame him. And the haters be Dan, like all those cities you listed, I'm going to Arizona too. I don't even want to be in Jersey. It's cold and gray. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So I wrapped up once again, my applause and my tomatoes into one. So now it's ready for your applause guys. Nikki, what do you got here? Okay, so my round of applause is uh, so a small win for the 25 Washington football team cheerleaders um, who have finally reached a settlement in their case against the team. Um, If you guys don't know, they discovered that they were in two. 10 minute lewd videos that employees were secretly making of them uh, from their 2008 and 2010 calendar shoot, which is 
disgusting. Um, so details of the settlement have not been made public, but at least they got a small win. I say small win because there's still 15 ladies who um, have made allegations against just the Washington football team work environment in general, and they are still under investigation um, for sexual harassment. So small win, ladies, still got a long ways to go. We are all behind you, but to the 25 women who won their settlement, round of applause, keep on fighting. Sure, let me just give you this. I can't say anything to back that up. So all I give you is a tremendous round of applause right there, Nikki. Damien, that's that's another great one. I love it when these things come out. Yeah, no, it's definitely great to hear that. Uh, you know, it's horrible what happened, but of great course. to hear that, you know, something is actually being done about it. So glad to hear that. And hopefully, you know, we can avoid anything, you know, these just gross, just gross stuff like this happening from now oh. on. But of course, we're going to have these uh, these things that happen and hopefully consequences come afterwards so that we can stop this from happening. I can't put myself into people's brain. I just, I can't understand things. I, I mean, I really can't. I mean, if you even have any sense of intelligence and even if you have thoughts or something, you don't put it into action. I mean, it just blows me away the things that we hear and imagine the stuff that we don't hear. It's probably 15 times worse. I, I just really can't even imagine. It's, it's insane. It really is. All right, we got one more round of applause before we do get to our neighborhood news. D, take it away. So I don't know if I'm just in a mood today, but I have like more tomatoes. I couldn't oh. think of any of oh. 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 <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Somebody not happy. <laughs> it's that monsoon. There's no sun for them today in Arizona. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> the wind is just blowing and it's taking away my positive energy. But so I was listening to the uh, Club Shay Shay podcast. I've mentioned it before on this podcast. Uh, hopefully Shannon Sharp one day will mention our podcast. Um, but he had Ricky Williams on. And Ricky Williams tells this story about the reason that he started smoking weed in the first place was that his girlfriend at the time cheated on him with the backup quarterback. So I want to throw tomatoes oh. at the girl and the backup quarterback. <laughs> oh my for God. Doing this, for doing this to Ricky Williams. Damn. He seems like such a nice guy, <laughs> so down to earth. And me being a Saints fan, we got Ricky Williams. He was going through something socially, like he had social anxiety. I remember him doing his interviews with the helmet on and everything. Yeah. This all started with him getting cheated on at Texas. The man's having one of the best college careers of all time, right? His senior year, he wins the Heisman Trophy, breaks all these records, comes into the NFL, a lot of pressure on him. But in the back of his mind, even with all this pressure on him, he's dealing with the fact that he lost his girl to the, not the starting quarterback, but the backup? What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So I just want to throw the tomatoes. I guess I give my applause to Ricky Williams for having the courage to tell that story now. I know it's been a long time. It's been 20 plus years now. Mm -hmm. But applause to him for telling the story about like how he first started smoking. Uh, but also just throw all the tomatoes at them for doing him that way. They end up getting married. So I guess they were meant for each other. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. to go about it that way is just, you know, filthy. So tomatoes at you guys, even though you're happily married. And applause to Ricky Williams for telling that story. 
Yeah, wow. That does take guts. You're right. I mean, time does heal a lot of wounds, maybe not all of them. I don't agree with that saying 100%. But yeah, I guess, you know, we look, the man's been through therapy, and maybe he needed to get that one out right there. So yeah, that's a hard thing to admit to anybody, let alone nationally. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal or globally, I should say. So that's very interesting right there. I, li- I like how we get deep at this. It's not always... You know, it could be sports figures, but it doesn't mean that it's on the field sort of stuff. So I really like that. I like that a lot. So well done by everybody as usual, no doubt. So let's keep the first segment rolling over here as we got our tomatoes thrown and our applause clapped. It is time to get our news, baby. News and notes from the world of sports. So let's do this thing over here. We got neighborhood news, guys. And the first thing was J.J. Watt, which we had gone over. But just to go over his contract, $23 million guaranteed, I believe it was, for two years, $31 million overall. Uh, wow. Pretty good deal for a guy who's been having, you know, some health issues over the past three to four seasons. But uh, he can play. He can get after the quarterback. He can still do that. But... Again, we'll see. We spoke enough about him. Kyle Rudolph, uh, Damien's best friend, was released by the Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's gone now. And uh, not that he was, you know, what he was, you know, five you know, years ago, whatever it is. But I can see some team picking him up pretty soon. And uh, I don't know. I don't know who it'll be. But uh, it'll probably be a team that needs a tight end and needs a filling and a veteran, somebody who knows what they're doing. So I'd imagine he would go to a winning team, but we'll see. Uh, the Dolphins released Kyle Van Noy, another good linebacker who played with the Patriots, who's now out there. Interesting that he got released again, but again, you got to make cap, uh, cap room. Uh, the Jets now publicly, their GM said that they're open to trading Joe Douglas. Uh, they're, I'm sorry, Joe Douglas says they're open. <laughs> Ratings, you Sam can get rid of him too. <laughs> I gotta write. I, this is why I need to write things down. Sam Tarnold is on the market. Apparently, they said uh, again. Joe Douglas, the GM, did say that they will listen if there are phone calls. Uh, we will get into that because Mount Player Player, which is going to be awesome this week, is the AFC East division. We're going to start with that, and we're going to move our way all the way through in the next eight weeks until we get to the draft and talk about the teams, what they need to do in the first round, maybe even second round. And we will get there today, coming up and now player, player. But now a question to you guys. We know the value of running backs, and we know what happens after four years or even after five years at the most, if they're really good. The Packers have Aaron Jones. He's probably a top five running back in the league. Now, there's talk about franchising him. You know, you don't franchise a lot of running backs. You know, you got to be pretty special. And Aaron Jones is. But they drafted A.J. Dillon, who I like what I saw a lot. If they keep Jamal Williams, whatever, you know, you can always find other guys in the draft. I don't think that you spend that money on Aaron Jones to tag him and give up $17 or whatever it is. He's a phenomenal player. There's no doubt. But, Damian, I would love to hear your opinion first. I think it's a dumb move if they do it on him. Because, again, the running back position, the way that we've talked about it throughout the entirety of this show that's been going on for over you know, a year now, that it's very interchangeable. And we see things change really fast, like Todd Gurley or whatever it may be. So I think it would be bad to franchise him and spend that money on Aaron Jones. Yeah, it just depends on how you feel about him. There's certain running backs I do believe are worth the big contract. You know, of course, Derrick Henry. Uh, Alvin Kamara, I believe, Christian McCaffrey when healthy. That's a, another big part of it. Running backs can, you know, fall out of health really quickly. But for Aaron Jones, he does have that 
potential to be in that club. So if you think you're going to use him in that way for one year and you're not, you have the money to spend, I can see that. Um, but for as far as a long-term deal, you already showed that you are not going to use him in a way that you would use a Derrick Henry or the way that a Christian McCaffrey is going to be used or even um, my guy in Minnesota. It's only a fight night amount of running backs who are worth that money. But like you said, the rest of them are usually interchangeable or part of, you know, a cast of running backs. So I think that you have to be very sure when you spend that money. Um, you can ask Dallas Cowboys. He could look like that guy. And right. right now I was like, ugh, man. <laughs> exactly. That's, and that's another good point right there. And that that's another thing you got to think about, Nikki. Yeah, you franchi- franchise tag him for one year, cost you a lot of money, whatever it is. He's a phenomenal player. But then moving on, is he going to get that second big contract even for him? And, again, do the Packers really need to do this? Is that really their problem, their issue? My answer is no. So I would I would go elsewhere. Try to make a deal if you can. That'd be great to keep him. Not like I'm trying to get rid of Aaron Jones, but he's not going to be the guy that, you know, makes you win the Super Bowl. No, that's your boy, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> that's right. going to make you win the Super Bowl. And listen, even if they franchise him, you guys already know what's going to happen. He's going to get hurt right away. Like, that just seems to be oh. the thing. Like, these running backs get these big contracts or they get franchised, and something happens, and they're hurt, and they're out for a season, tear their Achilles, and it's two seasons. So I'm with you guys on that. Yeah, uh, interesting. So we will see what happens with that. I heard that. I'm like, well, that's really interesting news, especially for a team who just drafted a quarterback, excuse me, a quarterback, uh, a really good running back in the second round. So, all right, we'll see. Um, Another thing to bring up to you guys, you know, now we're starting to hear Russell Wilson in the mix. It was Deshaun Watson and, you know, Dak Prescott's been going on forever. Now Russell Wilson, who, you know, obviously Nikki and I love, not saying that he doesn't, he could even be on your team next year. There's even a possibility of that, and that scares the shit out of me. But uh, we both picked uh, Nikki and I, Russell Wilson, for MVP of the league. He won uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. Love this guy. There's no doubt about it. But obviously there are problems over here. And he even named, or I should say his agent, named four teams, what the Bears, the Saints, the Cowboys, and the Raiders, I believe it was. So how much to this is there really? Because I have a hard time seeing him leaving Seattle. I mean, he's basically the face of the entire state of Seattle, Washington. So I see it. I I really don't see it, Nikki. But then again, anything is possible. Yeah, it is. Um... I just feel like, why, why would you say that? Why would you throw that out there to the public? Why would you put that in the universe? Like there's been years where he hasn't said a damn thing. And, you know, granted he's speaking through his agent and what have you. Uh, But I, I don't know. I'm just one of those people like where there's smoke, there's fire. If, you know, we talk about this with Deshaun Watson, like if somebody is just coming to you, like, I don't want to play for you. I don't want to be here. I mean, translate that to life. I don't want to work for you. I don't want to be with you. Like once those little things start coming out, it gets really, really hard to fake the funk. So I think something is going on. I don't know if he will leave, but um, no, I, I would think that there's definitely something going on. Dee, do you think that there's more something going on, like Nikki said, or do you think that he's more trying to maybe gain leverage or whatever you call it to say, listen, you guys are not helping me like you used to, whether it be on defense or giving me a solid offensive line. 
So could you please step it up here? Otherwise, you know, I might get out of here. So could this be a lot of, uh, you know, uh, smoke and shadow type of shit? Yeah, I'm not sure because he sort of requested a trade. It was like, like if you're in a relationship and uh, your spouse is like, I'm not going to break up with you, but I got four people over here (laughs) 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 who are willing to take me off your hands if you're not ready. And it's not like celebrities that you're, you know, your wish list that you have. No, it's like four dudes that she really knows at her job. (laughs) And you're like, oh, this could really happen. Like she could really leave me for one of these dudes. Like, so that's what this is like to me. Like at that point, if you, you know, you got pride, you're like, all right, leave then. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what it's like to me. Like, I feel like he kind of just dangled that out there and maybe he's doing, like you said, to gain leverage so he can say, I want help in offensive line. I want help on defense, wherever he wants help at. Um, because I think NFL quarterbacks are now trying to use their leverage and take the NBA model. NBA players usually do have some say in the roster, like the superstars. Yep. yep. And they're trying to take that model and say, as a quarterback, which I agree with, I think at least offensively, they should have some type of influence on who gets signed, some type of say. That don't mean they make the final decision, but they can chime in and say, oh, I really like this offensive lineman. I really like this quarter. I really like this, you know, this wide receiver. Not draft-wise, because it's not like the quarterback is, you know, scouting like the scout department is, but other people in the league, as far as free agency, they should be able to have some type of say in that. Uh, defensively, I wouldn't really give the quarterback that type of power. But if he's serious about it, I think there's something going on there where the relationship got fractured. Cause like you said, this is so uncharacteristic of Russell to come out and say anything, not just anything that is deemed to be controversial, but anything that could be taken in any type of way. Usually it's very just bland answers. I'm and a, go on. Yeah. And go, I'm on. A, go Hawks. I'm a kid from a small town in Richmond, Virginia, which isn't that small. <laughs> but he's like that, that's what you know that's what you get from him and he has started his own podcast so maybe he's trying to be more you know candid with his answers now and trying to you know show more of his personality and maybe Sierra is in his ear saying hey you don't need to take this you're the man you're making you know 30 million a year or whatever it is say what you you know say what you chest say what you got to say <laughs> and maybe that's, that's what it is here so we'll see that's the theme of uh, these weeks. Say it with your chest, LeBron, everybody. <laughs> Russell, come on now. But you make a good point. Like, so, I mean, safe to say, like somebody like a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, like a good quarterback, somebody that's been in your franchise for a long time that has carried you to, you know, playoff wins and Super Bowl wins. Like, what is with these organizations that won't even – have a conversation with the quarterback just to kind of, Hey, you like this guy, you like that. This is the scheme you want. This is who we're thinking for our offensive coordinator. Like to me, that's like not listening to your best employee who actually cares and gives you everything every single day. Like, why wouldn't you at least have that conversation? You know, I just don't get that. I think you should at least listen to people, especially if they are your friggin' franchise. Nikki, uh, you're so right. And you took basically the words out of my mouth. And I was going to say it in a different way where 
you know, tape can tell you a lot and you standing on the sideline can tell you a lot. But when you play against another player or play with another player, you really understand their greatness at that point. That's where things come out. And we know that Russell Wilson obviously is great. There's no doubt about it. But if you just go back in time, we're only going, we're going back to 2013 and 2014, where they make consecutive Super Bowls. They crush the Broncos. The next year, they should have won the game, but they end up losing on that crazy play with Malcolm Butler. Now it's 2015, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. They haven't been back to the Super Bowl. They haven't even really been close, to be honest with you. And that's because when you pay a quarterback a lot of money, the team around you deteriorates. So quarterbacks like Tom Brady, who were able to say, you know what, let's renegotiate my contract and some others, you know, that's how you build a team around you. So I'm not saying Russell Wilson is being selfish here or anything like that, but when you get paid a lot of money at the quarterback position, you're not going to have the other guys around you. And maybe that's the thinking in Dallas right now. I don't know, but I do know that Drew Brees may come back. Damien, I don't know how you think about this. I want to get into it more. I know that, you know, we're, we're pressed for time. So we're going to come back to that. But one question to you guys before we do take a break, we're having an inevitable 17 game schedule. It's going to happen. And it could even happen this year, according to the CBA. I don't know how that all works out, but it could even happen this year where they can make it. My simple question to you guys is, do you like it? Damien, 17 game schedule, regular season. I hate it so much. Uh, <laughs> like it's for it's not needed we got the extra game that we need right the playoff game in uh the wild card round I was skeptical about that but it worked out perfectly gave us you know super wild card weekend I loved it but we've been having 16 games for so long in 17 just a wonky number 17 yeah it's uh, yeah uh, just an odd number it just seems like just weird like we're gonna have 17 games for what i understand why i understand for what you know it's all about the money but right it's it's just unnecessary it's gonna mess up records because now when we see somebody you know the next running back who runs for 2000 it's like oh he had an extra game you know mm-hmm. the next receiver who you know breaks randy moss's record had an extra game to do it it just messes up everything and we have no one no fans are asking for an extra game like it's not like this is something that fans were clamoring for. Like, oh, we need a we need another regular season game. We already have it's already hard enough for teams to make it through 16 games somewhat healthy. Now you're adding an extra game to that. I just hate it so much. I hate it so much too. And that's why I say expand the roster, because you know, you're gonna get more players hurt, let more players take plays off. You know, 53 is really not enough for a football team because you end up with a whole bunch of players at the end of the season, Nikki, that you didn't have to begin with because you have guys that go out for the year or are done for six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it is. To me, I hate it also. Again, the odd number doesn't make sense. Now you can't even up what the playing field is in the NFL and has been. So I don't like it at all. And again, it's all for revenue. Like Dee said, we understand it, but I don't. the players hate it. Nobody likes it except for the people who are making the money off of it. And the players will make more money. Don't get me wrong, but they don't need this extra game to me, Nikki. It's too much. Well, I will give you my opinion after this very. Uh, check it out now. Uh, 
no doubt now. Uh, yeah. Check it out now. Uh, no doubt, yeah. Special girl, real good girl. Biggest thing in my itty bitty world. Caught her up and she made me feel right. Wish the glitch could never take flight. Sitting back with this mic in my hand. Spitting hot shit, trying to see grains. Imprinted on my mind every minute. Make my plans and you always in it, y'all. Huh. Such a vibrant thing. Vibrant thing, a vibrant thing. And even though we both fly, give each other space and not the evil eye. Acting like grown-ups, don't even try to hide cause the spot blown up. Girlfriend telling you she wanna see. I say I don't know, but you say gladly. And when we both do head, we go on and on and on and on and on and sweeter than Ben and Jerry. Can the rhyme when you know I guess mine? One. Yeah, yeah, back on the third and three podcast. You know, we do kicking your ass. We're going over a whole bunch of stuff. Neighborhood news. We're about to close out. We were talking about the 17 game schedule. And before we went to break, I was about to go to Nikki to find out her thoughts on it. So far, Damien and I absolutely hate it. Uh, It doesn't make any sense in our minds in any way, shape or form, except for the league needing to make more money. Obviously, yes, the players will make more money, but, you know, some of them will not worry about that 17th game paycheck and sit out maybe who knows. And then it takes into account the playoffs and stuff, Nikki. So it's a whole big thing. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I just don't see the point of this. <laughs> like, Do we need this? Is this making the game better? Is this moving the game forward? I, I can think of a lot of things that they could probably do, you know, and adding one more game is like not on anybody's list that I know of. Um, I guess the only thing I would say to that is like, will this allow the Thursday night teams to like get a buy immediately after? Like, are we going to see two buys? Like, what is this? Will this improve Thursday night football? If so, then maybe I'm for it. I like that. And that's a really good call because I've, I've been begging for that. You know, we've talked about it on the show, actually. Why don't they give the teams a buy the week after they play the Thursday games or the week before? I'm sorry. So they can be fully ready. And you know what? Maybe now at the 17th week, they can do something like that. If they're smart, they will. So I like that call, Nikki. That's pretty good out of you. I really like that. All right. So that's neighborhood news for the most part, but we still got a little bit extra to go to. We're going to Damien's team over here. And last week we heard him. He, he was ranting out. He was saying, look, Drew, just make a decision already, bro. What's going on over here? And now we see over the weekend he's pushing sleds, which is not normal for a 42-year-old human being to be doing, uh, especially if he's thinking about retirement. But Damien, he was doing it. Now I heard Cameron Jordan say, yeah, that's just something that he does. He's used to working out. Other players have said that. I can sort of buy that. But I also think at the same time, Breeze recognizes this is a really good team. And if he can stay healthy and just make these short passes, use the running game, maybe he wants to come back. Do you even want him back? Uh, no. Uh, at this point, <laughs> I believe that. Drew's arm just isn't there uh, and it's time for us to move forward and he's already done the reducing of his salary so if he does come back is he truly going to play for only a million dollars probably not Mm. Um, so I think he did that in an effort to make it easier on the Saints to help their salary cap situation 
and he's going to move forward. I think it is part of his workout process. And I believe he's done right now. If he does come back, we may have a breath off situation. We don't have an Aaron Rodgers in waiting, unfortunately, but <laughs> it is, it could turn into that type of situation, but I don't think he has already said he's not playing for anybody else, but new Orleans. It'd be hard to see another team taking him on. Like thinking about the teams now, there would be one that would be like, oh, it's Drew Brees. Let's take him on. But I don't see a contender taking on Drew Brees, right? He doesn't look as good as Tom Brady, you know, Tom Brady did and doesn't still have the arm like Tom Brady had or has. Um, So I think he's done. I think it was just him working out. Like I said, he also did the uh, copper sleeve, you know, commercial on Instagram, which is the universal signal for retirement. So I'm, I, you know, he's going back and forth maybe in his mind, but I think ultimately he'll announce his retirement. Uh, yeah, we will see. He's going to have to do it really soon. Obviously his free agency is coming up in the new league year on the 17th draft, all of that, Nikki. So they do have to figure it out or breeze has to figure it out, but he's such a competitor and the way that he went out last year, it's got to leave a sour taste in his mouth. He's so you're telling me his his workout was just pulling sleds like like any thing. I really gotta like step it up a little bit here. Jeez, now he's really dragging this shit out. Like shit or get off the pot. I hate this. Make your announcement and you know let's let's be done. Unless they already know in New Orleans and they're just keeping quiet for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe they'll try to big up James Winston in the next couple of who who knows what's gonna happen. I'm not even sure. But hey. That's a topic that remains to be seen, and we'll see what happens. New Orleans already made teams to go. That's why we hear about Russell Wilson going there, and that's why we're hearing about um, Deshaun Watson even possibly going over there, how that would happen. It'd be really tough financially, obviously, but he could pretty much book the Super Bowl, and that would be it if either one of those guys landed there, especially Russ. So that'd be awesome. What else is awesome is building the perfect player. We did it last week with quarterbacks. We had a bunch of different names out there, but a lot in the same sort of categories, but still other names. I have a feeling we're going to have it again because we're going all time, D, right? Yes, sir. Tell us how we're doing, baby. So, yeah, so we're building a perfect running back. We have a few different categories here. So we have vision, speed, size, blocking, truck stick, which is the ability to run over your opponent, elusiveness, stiff arm, hands, route running, and best running back to have a drink with. And so we're going to go down each category and give which running back for that category would make the perfect running back if we combine them all together. I love it. I love it. I can't wait. I'm ready to roll, man. All right. So let's start with vision and let's start with our visionary, Nikki. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well done. <laughs> why are you taking over man that's exactly <laughs> um so d i just have to give props to you because i think this is an amazing segment and my husband jumped in on this last night with me as well so i couldn't get him on to give his pick so if you guys don't mind i will give mine and i'm just gonna shout his out because He's a little podcast shy, um, but he thought this was like so awesome. And he rattled his guys off and he thinks this is just like the coolest segment ever. So props to you for this one. Oh, no, thanks. I, tell, I, him, tell him I appreciate it. 
<laughs> so, okay, let's start vision. So for, you know, visions like very, it could be very subjective, right? But, you know, for me uh, and probably for everyone, let's just say basic traits are pacing, decisiveness, understanding concepts, reading coverage, setting up blocks. And if you think about it, you can really toss it up between so many people. But for me, you know, it's, it's prime Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell, his patience, his instincts are unmatched, his ability to read coverage, his setting up blocks, phenomenal. He has like eight yard gains with like nothing in front of him, zero. And it's every time he touches the ball. So for me, it's Le'Veon Bell. For my husband, he picked Walter Payton. Two very good picks right there. Can't argue with either one of those. Sweetness, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Two really good picks right there. Who you got for vision, Jason? Well, let me tell you that uh, Le'Veon Bell was second on my list, and I'm so proud of Nikki and her husband for coming up with that because, in it, well, yeah, listen, it was a small amount of time in Pittsburgh, as we know, but what he did by basically just standing in the backfield and waiting for holes to open up, incredible vision and just really unbelievable. So he was second on my list. So I applaud you and your husband, Nikki, for bringing that up and realizing that. But I ultimately went with Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, he just saw the whole field so easily. His peripheral vision was amazing. He wasn't a huge guy, you know, obviously hard to bring down, but we're talking about vision now. And he was able to break away and make moves 10 yards away from a player that would plant the defensive man on his feet and he would just walk into the end zone. So his vision of the whole field and being able to get through these holes where they weren't great in San Diego, they didn't have a great offensive line. He made them great. And so for me, D, I had to go with Thompson. No, that's a really good pick as well. Uh, me and Nikki are on the same page. I want to Le'Veon Bell, all the things that she said. You watch him run in his prime behind that old line take his time, and the next thing you know, just a burst. And then yep. they would, you know, then they would show the angle to show what he was seeing, and it would be just the slimmest of holes that he would go through. Or he'll know exactly when to bounce it outside or when to wait. And it was amazing watching Le'Veon in his prime. And he really was one of the first people I ever saw do that and just be able just be so patient. That is a part of vision. Um, but very good picks from everybody, including – Mr. Jess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there. So now it's time for us to talk about speed, right? Been a lot of fast running backs throughout history. When you talk about speed, which running back would you go with, Jason? All right. Well, I don't want to tell you who I had in second because maybe you guys had him. But when it came to speed, it was really hands down when I thought about it for a little bit over a minute. And it was Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson, he got clocked, and I know it was by hand, at 4.12 doing the 40. Now, we saw him on the field, and we saw his burst, not only in baseball, but obviously in football. He was so fast for such a powerful big guy. It was incredible. We all remember that play in Seattle when he hit the corner and ran through the tunnel. His speed is incredible, especially for a guy his size. But still, he is basically the fastest player in almost NFL history, you could say maybe next to Deion Sanders and maybe one or two other people like Darrell Washington. But his speed is so underrated because we look at Bo at running over people and doing this and that, whatever it may be. But speed, unbelievable. I'll tell you what happens second after you guys go. But 
whatever you think of that. Nah, Bo Jackson, you know, Bo knows speed, you know, so you have to just, you know, give your tip your cap to him for what he was able to do. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to do it too long, but when he was healthy, man, yeah, his speed was second to none. So great pick right there. Nikki, who did you and your husband pick for speed? Uh, well, he picked uh, Bo Jackson, and I figured like we might have a trifecta. I wasn't sure. Uh, so I thought I'd change it up, and, and I went with Chris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Johnson, great pick, 4-2, and we saw all of that 4-2 on the speed. Like the year he ran for 2,000 yards, mm-hmm. we saw it. We saw the speed on the field. It was unmatched. I went Chris Johnson as well. CJ, 2K on the <laughs> shout-out. Um, who did you have in second, Jason? That was it, man. Chris Johnson. We got with guys we are in tune right now, especially with the first two. They were in second place for me, first for you, but it doesn't matter. We're thinking on the same level right here. Chris Johnson was absolutely my second right there, but Bo just a little bit faster from what I remember, but I have no problem with CJ2K being your number one at all. Yeah, no, great picks right there for vision and speed. So now let's talk about size. Which frame are you putting all these attributes in? Let's start with you, Nikki. Ah, size matters, right? I think we discovered (laughs) this last week. Uh, So for me, okay, you know, you don't want a guy too tall, right? Because he's easier uh, to find for the defensive players. Also, the shorter guys, they got that lower center of gravity, make it easier to get under the defenders. Weight-wise, you know, you want somebody thick lower half so they can break arm tackles. For me, I like a guy like a Frank Gore, even a Ray Rice. Uh, my husband said, no, you got to go a little bigger. He went Derrick Henry. Oh, okay. For Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry might be on that too tall side that you were talking about there. Yes, that's but- what we got into this debate last night. About <laughs> <this>. <laughs> yeah, Derrick Henry, like I was surprising to me that someone didn't make him a wide receiver, but he was probably so good at running people over that they were like, okay, we're just going to let you be a running back. Yeah. (laughs) So who do you have for a size, Jason? Well, I was going to go way back with the guy. And again, I'll tell you my second place after, but I had to go a little bit more again. And the same name came up, Bo Jackson. He was 6'1". He weighed 225 pounds of solid muscle. His size, even back in that day, again, we saw that he was so, so dominant, such a dominant athlete. I had to go Bo again. Again, I'm going to go with the best like we talked about last week. I'm not just going to give it to the next guy up and give it to everybody here and there. Bo, for me, again, speed and size, I'm taking Bo Jackson. He was the picture-perfect frame running back. Those big shoulder pads, he didn't need them. He could wear the little ones like now, and he would still bust through people. So that's why I went with him, D. Yeah, no, his uh, size was amazing. His physique is something like, back then to be that much in shape and that cut back then mm. is different because you didn't have all the technology and the all the stuff you have today to help you out with that so that's a great pick right there for mine I went with you know my favorite Saints running back of all time Deuce McAllister oh. for his oh. size 6'1 230 just like I said not too tall I think Derrick Henry you know for me is a little too tall but Derek, but Deuce McAllister at six one, just his body was built to run people over, hit people in the hole. He's a forgotten, really good back, um, two time Pro Bowler who 
was kind of running to the ground by the Saints when we had Aaron Brooks and our offense was run, run, pass, you know, run, run. If it's third and shorter than three, run again. So he definitely ran him into the ground, but his size was built for the perfect back. So I went with Deuce McAllister. And a uh, short Nikki trivia question. Do you know Deuce's real name? I do not. I completely forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> so do you know it, Jay? I thought it was Dwight. No, his first name is Dulamus. Oh, oh. oh Dulamus. Oh, Dulamus. actually, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's spelled D-U-L-Y-M-U-S, Dulamus. Interesting. So I see why he went with Deuce. Yeah, I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, name, right. I was for Damien right there. That's good. You know, I, I like the Deuce McAllister pick, but the size kind of reminds me of Doug Martin a little bit, you know, like, uh, you know, mini hamster. But, you know, he obviously... um. McAllister was taller, but uh, I love what Nikki said. I got to give you props about having the right size, you know, being, you know, like five ten guys are usually like the best size running backs, you know, like a look at a Saquon Barkley and how stocky he is and everything. And you can make the moves and you can be strong. So I just want to say, I like your points, Nikki. You did a good job. Thank you. Okay. So I like all our picks there. So now it's time to talk about something that's not so sexy. All right. Blocking, <laughs> right. A lot of people, when you talk about blocking, don't think about how important it is for the running back to be a good blocker. But it's very important when it comes to pass protection and, you know, setting up things. So when it comes to blocking, let's start with you, Jay. Who did you pick? Even now, this man can still block. And when he was with the San Francisco 49ers, you were not getting to the quarterback if you did get past the defensive line because Frank Gore was going to be right there to stuff your freaking face. You were not getting to the quarterback. He still even does it now. He's so smart knowing where the blitz is coming from in communication with his quarterback. He gets to the block. Not only does he get there, he enforces it. He's been able to move people back, put people down. Yes, he's not up at 37, 38 years old. He's not what he once was, but blocking all time. And again, as being a 49er fan, and I saw him do it for however long he was with us, I forgot seven years or whatever it was, he was incredible. So I went a little bit maybe off, but Frank Gore is my answer today. That's a really good pick. Frank Gore is a three down back, and you can't be a three down back if you can't block. That's right. Really good pick right there. Nikki, who did you and your husband pick? Okay, so he went with Sam Gash, fullback for the Ravens. I don't know who that okay. is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I went with Clinton Portis. Um, That's good. I mean, this dude, like, just blowing up linebackers, loving every second of it, able to identify blitzing player, block them, wasn't afraid to go out there, totally dominate, put defenders on their back. So that's my pick. Okay. Two really good picks there. I went a little bit off the beaten path with Kevin Falk. You guys remember him? Absolutely. Yep. And he was more of a receiving back, but you can't be out there on passing downs if you can't block. And he was somebody who did a good job of recognizing when a blitz was coming. Of course, it was on Brady to recognize the blitz and keep him in, you know, on those downs. But when he was kept in there, he protected Brady, did a great job on those downs and had a really long career not being the best back because he knew how to block and knew how to receive out the backfield. So Kevin Falk, I went with for blocking there. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, good good calls all around. You know, the blocking aspect is just so important. And again, like D, you made the major point where – you can't play three downs unless you know how to block. So well done by you. That was a great point. 
Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So now let's get into the physicalness of it. Truck stick. So in Madden, when you hit the truck stick, you run over your opponent. That's what we're talking about here. Who had the best truck stick to be in the perfect running back? Let's start with Nikki and her husband. All right. So he went Earl Campbell for his truck stick. Uh, I went Saquon Barkley. I know it's pretty recent, but for me, this is one of my favorite things watching this guy play is just the fact that he will literally just truck right over dudes. He doesn't care. It is like the best part of his game. It is an absolute thing of beauty and I miss it so much. So Saquon for me. Okay. No, those are two picks and Saquon, like even if you dive at his legs, his thighs are the size of tree trunks. Yeah. So he can run over you with those as well. So I definitely get that pick. And Earl Campbell, of course, is, you know, when you think about a running back running over people, you think Earl Campbell. So that's two really good picks there. Who you got, Jay? Nikki, tell your husband, well done, Earl oh. Campbell. <laughs> 100%. I have a guy after him, of course, like I always do, but I definitely went with Earl Campbell. There's so many videos of him smashing his face into linebackers and then flying backwards 15 yards. Just unbelievable what he did. Fantastic. Yeah, I went with Earl Campbell as well. Like you said, all the highlights of him just running people over, just helmet in the chest. Yeah, just, God. I could hear yeah. him yelling, get off me, and just keep <laughs> just going down the field as he ran people over. So, yeah, Earl Campbell. But Saquon Barkley is somebody who, in the modern era, is that. Yeah, you're not going to have anybody do it like Earl Campbell did it because it was unsafe the way Earl Campbell did it, <laughs> right? Unsafe. <laughs> it really <laughs> like, you know, football is never going. Football is never going to be safe, but Earl Campbell did it in a very unsafe way. So you're not going to have that anymore. But yeah, Saquon yeah, Barkley for today's one era. Thing. Oh, thing I, wanted, I I could have gone with Jim Brown, but I remember he was so much bigger than even the defensive lineman back in the day that he was pushing everybody around. It was so easy for him. Where Earl Campbell went against you know better competition, but you know I hate to leave Jim Brown out of some of these conversations where he deserves to be, but so old school but had to mention that real quick bro yeah no Jim Brown deserves to be in any running back conversation so yeah good mention right there so now let's talk about elusiveness and I feel like we might have a four-way tie on this one but we'll see (laughs) (laughs) let's start with you Jay yeah I I, you know what you said it bro I I hope that we have a four-way tie on this I I mean look there's only one other person I can imagine but I went with Barry Sanders obviously you know, look, he would dance around 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then boom, go for a touchdown, even breaking tackles. But the way that he did it and get through these skinny holes, yeah, Barry Sanders. I mean, I didn't have to really give it a second thought, guys. Yeah, not definitely hear you on that one. Nikki, where did you and the mister go? Uh, same. So <laughs> we are in complete agreement. Uh, Barry Sanders, of course. In fact, he said, Nikki, if you type anybody else, you should be off the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, no, no, I agree with you. We don't have to debate about that. Um, when the show wraps, I'm going to tell him I won the size debate because, you know, it's the little things in marriage. Uh, but- <laughs> I renamed this category D just so you know, um, as making other athletes look like fools. So <laughs> did that better than Barry Sanders. Yep. Yeah. The I'm right there with close. you. I'll go ahead. Jay. No, I'm sorry. D. I was going to say the only one close was Walter Payton. Yeah. Now Walter Payton was pretty elusive. He, that's an underrated part of his game because he was, he was more of a straight up runner. So people forget how elusive he was. So that's a good call. Uh, but Barry Sanders, 
the highlights are just dumb. They're just dumb. Like when you watch, like you watch him make people miss, like Nikki said, just make people look stupid. He had the one against the Patriots where he had the guy turn around two times and still didn't know where he was. Right, right. It's, it's just crazy what Barry Sanders is able to do as far as being elusive. Uh, underrated one in this one is Darren Sproles. Oh, yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah, Darren Sproles, because he was so small, mm-hmm. like you would lose him behind the line. And then once he got in open space, he's so fast, so quick, the little feet move so fast. <laughs> <laughs> you had no idea where he was. So I just want to give him a shout out. He had some really good years for the Saints there. Uh, yeah, looking like a little wind up toy, like just, you know, rah, 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 wind it up and rah, off the feet. Go. <laughs> Man, I hate that guy. Too many years in Philly. Hate him. Philly, yeah. That was in the Saints. Only, you know, traded him for like a fifth round pick because they thought he was getting old. But like you said, he had some good years there in Philly. So, yeah, Barry Sanders, elusiveness, it wasn't a debate at all in my mind. So for the next one, I think we got some really good running backs to choose from when it comes to the stiff arm. So whose stiff arm would you put on the perfect running back? Let's start with Jay on this one. freaking beast quake of the world i'm sorry but this guy's stiff arm he just put people's faces into the earth and didn't worry about the core of it it was just ridiculous not that play not just that play but all the time that hand was always out and you were not going to arm tackle him he was going to put you flat on your back and he was going to keep running until somebody finally wrapped him up i'm sorry and again it's not just that game against the saints take that even out. Marshawn Lynch has the best stiff arm I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot of great ones, and even going back into the day, but I love Marshawn Lynch's because it was so powerful, and he kept his knees high as he was doing it, so he wouldn't get tackled even by somebody else low, so he made it an art form. Yeah, no, that's a really good pick, like you said, bringing up painful memories. I'm but, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I'll never forget him pushing uh, Tracy Porter five yards down the field on that run uh, with his stiff arm. Yeah. So that's definitely a good pick right there. Um, who do you and your husband have, Nikki? Um, yeah, Jay, you said it. it. It turns into an art form, right? It's such an easy concept, like stick my arm out. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of, you know, get this guy off me. Uh, you know, for me, though, uh, I feel like not many, too many people are doing it better than Derrick Henry. Maybe Charles, you know, Charles Woodson, but Derrick Henry and uh, my husband went Willis McGahee. Oh, Willis McGahee. That's a good call out. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I like that one. Man, too bad what happened to him in college, D. Oh, God, he could have been one of the freaking best. Yeah, that's one hit I'll never forget. I'll never forget his knee turning the wrong way oh, in, that, oh. in that game. And, you know, he still was a decent running back, but definitely could have been a lot better if he didn't Absolutely. get hurt in his last college game. So, But, no, that's a really good call on Willis McGahee and your call as well with Derrick Henry. Uh, for me, I went LaDainian Tomlinson, if you remember some of his highlights. Absolutely. Where – he was a little smaller, so when he stepped on people, they would come close to him. But once he got them, he would just mush them into the ground. You're and right. it was some violent stiff arms that LaDainian had. So that's who I picked for the stiff arm. So now it's time to get into a little more of the modern game, right? Because today's running backs need good hands, right? So let's start with you, Nikki, and your husband. Whose hands would be on the perfect running back? Um, well, he wants Marshall Fox hands. Um, and I actually.
actually went personal feelings aside for this guy. I actually went Tiki Barber. Um, yes, Ooh. he rushed for over 10,000 yards during his career, but his pass catching ability is what put him over the top. If you watch the games and it's probably a lot of people out there would not watch it as religiously as giants fans, but that is really what put him over the top. That's what helped put the team over the top. He broke almost every team record relating to rushing and he had 586 catches in nine seasons with the giants. So a little hometown love, a little Tiki Barber love for me. Okay, now that's a good one, especially when you think about the improvement in him carrying the football. That's a big part of your hands as well. You think about yep. the fact he went from, you know, fumbleitis to not fumbling at all. Mm-hmm. You got to put Tiki Barber in there as well. So I like that pick. And Marshall Falk, of course, you know, catching the ball was ridiculous. Um, Who you got, Jay? Yeah, I think a great job out of Nikki. Um, I, I love both picks. But to me, it's hands down, guys. And this is going to be way out of the arena of, like, what or am I sure even remember that player from last his name is Larry Centers okay Larry Centers played predominantly with the Cardinals he played with a few other teams um but he was a running back and really in the 80s and early 90s is when he played 80s early 90s or mid 90s you want to know how many catches he had how many did he have uh Nikki uh 586 Okay, you ready? Larry Sanders, 827 career catches. He ranks 30th in the NFL all time. He's the first running back you'll see on the list. And I remember him because I'm freaking old. That guy was phenomenal. He did carry the ball, yes, but out of the backfield, he caught everything and made huge plays out of it. I even thought back in the day, even when Arizona wasn't a good team, that he deserved MVP honors. That one year they beat the Cowboys. Very early, I think it was, um, gosh, 1998 or 1999 or whatever. But honestly, I Larry Centers is a guy that if you don't know, you need to check out not just his stats, but watch his highlights for the Cardinals and amongst other teams. He was as great as it gets. He caught everything that came his way. That's why you're great, Jay. Because mm-hmm. I had no idea who that guy was. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> And you pull out the history right there, and now I gotta go look up highlights yep. of this guy because <laughs> obviously he could catch the ball. Obviously, so that's a really yep. good call out there. Um, I had Marshall Falk as well, but just for a backup, since your husband picked him, Christian McCaffrey. Like oh, when yeah. you, yeah, watching him, man, he can catch the heck out of the ball. Great hands, doesn't fumble too much either. So uh, Christian McCaffrey there for the hands. So your hands don't really matter. If you don't know how to run routes. Ah. So what running back are you picking for route running? Uh, let's start with Jay on this one. Guys, you were just talking about him. It's Marshall Falk. Um, I could put other guys in there. I thought about, you know, even like a Thurman Thomas or something like that. I won't name a whole bunch of other ones. But for me, it was Marshall Falk. He knew exactly how to get out of the backfield. Nobody was better on that slant back. Uh, um, running back route where he would be over the middle and nobody was within 10 yards of him and then he made everyone miss his route running was precise there's no doubt he could have played wide receiver easily and to me he may be the best receiving all time if you put it all together you know a uh, running back when um, when it comes to you know catching out of the backfield so route running he was so precise and that's why he was so open all the time that's a really good call. Over a thousand yards receiving. It's not easy to do from the running back position, but Marshall Falk was able to do that. Nikki, who did you and your husband pick? 
Um, so he went Lev Bell on this one, and this is where I finally went with Danian Tomlinson. Two really good calls, Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> there was a reason there was a big contract dispute. It's the fact that he ran routes like a receiver mm-hmm. and felt that he wasn't just your normal running back and deserved, you know, pay that was comparable to receivers along with his running back, you know, production. And LaDainian Thomason, all the catches, we know about what he was doing out of the backfield. Phillip Rivers is trying to get rid of that ball as fast as possible. LaDainian is right there with his short, quick routes. So I like that pick as well. I went with Alvin Kamara. When you watch the Saints play, Alvin Kamara could run the whole route tree. You're going to set him out wide. You could set him in a slant. He comes out the backfield with good will routes, does the Texas V route really good. You get everything. No route is out of his concept. And he runs routes. He gets open all the time because he's so good at shaking the linebackers, even safeties at times that come to stick him. That's what tells you how good he is at running routes, the fact that cornerbacks and safeties are assigned to Alvin Kamara because he's so good at running routes. So that's what my pick there for route running. I so love all I love all your picks, guys. I think they all fit. That's my one, two, three. I just wanted to mention. So well done. Oh wow. Let's see. Third and three right there. Yeah. <laughs> Play the lottery, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time to talk about who's the best running back to have a drink with. A beer, or you can have, you know, a vodka teeny. Mm-hmm. So who's the best running back to have a beer with? Let's start with Nikki and her husband on this one. Uh, so he wants to have a beer with Terrell Davis. Um, okay. I would like to have a beer, my Homer pick, with Brandon Jacobs. Uh, love this guy. Did so much for the organization. I remember being at what would be his last game uh, at MetLife with my dad. Uh, we're watching the game and it was his, you know, final touchdown. We just didn't know it at the time, uh, but all around great guy, bittersweet moment. We'd love to just sit down, have a, yeah, I'd probably have a vodka club with him and uh, shoot the breeze. Talk about the giants. Two good picks. I think Brandon Jacobs is interesting for me. I thought he should be what Derrick Henry is now. Yeah, yeah. I agree. his size, his speed. Yeah. I thought he would be that. And he was good, but he didn't live up to that expectation. Right. It was a short period of time, couple, couple, three years, you know, and that was it, unfortunately. Yeah. So, Jay, who do you have as best running back to have a drink with? All right. Uh, I went with two, and I'll go with it real quick. Uh, old school, I'm going John Riggins because that guy is just a big meathead, and I need to have a drink with him in a bar and see what he's like and how he gets all crazy and everything. I remember him at running back just plowing through people. He's another guy who could have been on this list, but he he loved the party, so that guy I would love to go have a drink with. But I'd also love to have a drink with Barry Sanders, and the reason is because you never hear him say a word. He, he's spoken now more than he's Fired, but when he was playing, he didn't say anything again. He would hand the ball off to the referee. He didn't make a big stink until the very end. And I want to know what happened and why the greatest running back that most of us have ever seen did not continue past his 30s and could have had every record. I want to know this stuff. That's why Barry Sanders is the guy for me. Yeah, uh, that's two really good picks. I went with Ricky Williams. I just talked about how I listened to the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, with him and he's a very interesting guy you know that you year sure that he took away drinks, by the way are you sure it's drinks i just want to check you say that again 
I'm just making sure you guys are having drinks because he's into other things. And I just wanted. Yeah, you know, it may be a smoke. It may be a smoke <laughs> of Ricky Williams, <laughs> which I wouldn't mind doing that either. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it'll definitely be dope to have a conversation with him. Like I said, very interesting guy. He's been around the world. Listen to him on Shannon Sharp's podcast a year that he took away from the NFL uh, when he got suspended and whatnot, traveled around the world, did all these interesting things. So Ricky Williams would be my pick. So I believe we could fit in the recast before the break. So Jason, please recap your list for the people. All right, here we go. Vision, LaDainian Tomlinson, Speed, Bo Jackson, Size, Bo Jackson, Blocking, my man Frank Gore, Elusiveness, the great Barry Sanders, Stiff Arm, Marshawn Lynch made it an art form, Truck Style, Earl Campbell, Run Your Ass Over, Hands. My team over here now knows that Larry Sanders has 827 career catches, 30th in the NFL, Route running, I went with Marshall Falk, having a drink, uh, John Riggins, but even more so Barry Sanders. And that running back squad right there creates the ultimate running back, I think, Walter Payton. Oh, okay. I like that little addition at the end there. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and take our break here, and then we'll get to Nikki and her husband's and mine. So we'll be right back on the third and three podcast. Keep going through this thing over here. I went through mine, and uh, I guess Nikki, it's her turn, huh? To go my through. Turn. Our... All right. All right. Cool. So my perfect R. What are we doing? Running back. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Going uh, down. Yes. It's that age you keep talking about, Jay. Yep. You see, catch us. I told you. I told you. <laughs> All right. So vision. What did I well, hold on? Vision, Le'Veon Bell, Speed, Chris Johnson, size of like a guy like a Frank Gore, Ray Rice, blocking, Clinton Portis, elusiveness, or as we call it, making other people look foolish, Barry Sanders, stiff arm, Derrick Henry, truck stick, Saquon, hands, Tiki Barber, route running, Ladanian Tomlinson, and I'm gonna have a beer with my hometown buddy, Brandon Jacobs. 
Good list right there. Good. Do you know who that makes? No. <laughs> who, would be, who, would, who would be your ultimate running back then? My ultimate running back? Who's, oh, your, who's your top running back on, on, on all time if you had to pick one right now? Oh, God. Probably Barry Sanders. Got no problem there. Yeah, no, nah, no problem at Barry Sanders at all. So for my list, vision, Le'Veon Bell, speed, CJ2K, size, the deuce is loose, McAllister, uh, blocking, Kevin Falk, truck stick, Earl Campbell, elusiveness, I went with Barry Sanders, stiff arm, LaDainian Tomlinson, hands, I went with CMC, Christian McCaffrey, route running, Alvin Kamara, best running back to have a drink or smoke with, Ricky Williams, <laughs> and for... My ultimate running back is Barry Sanders as well. Uh, I think we do have to give a shout out to Emmitt Smith uh, on this just because he is the all-time leader in rushing yards. Uh, and I guess if we had durability on here, he would be probably the, the winner for that one. I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, listen, there is something to be said. Obviously, we know that you can't be a compiler in the NFL. You can accumulate. Those are kind of two different words, really, if you look at it. And he did accumulate a lot, but you have to get, like you said, his durability and the fact that he was able to be there even with the Cardinals afterwards shows that he was still able to play for a while. You know, he wasn't the guy that he was, but yeah, he, he lasted for a long time. So that goes a long way. Good call. Nice job, guys. Yeah, this yes. is fun, man. I can't, wait wide, oh, I can't wait for wide receiver next week. This is going to be great. Me too. I I love it. Oh, this is going to, ah, I love this stuff. Great segment right there. We got a lot more segments coming your way right now on third and three over here. We got the rant of the week. We got now play a play where we're going to start looking at the AFC East division real quick and see where they want to go. We got knowledge with Nikki, unpopular opinions. So let's get this bad boy going over here. Rant of the week. If you don't mind, I'm going to start it out real quick and I'll make it as quick as I can and really get to the point. Cause I don't feel like yelling and getting upset, but Living down here in Florida, it's tropical. It's different. I understand that. But I can't stand meteorologists. They can't get the day-to-day stuff right, especially, like I said, in tropical uh, tropical area down here. Even hurricanes, they draw these fucking lines all over the damn screen. You can't predict where it's going to go. I mean, there's like really like 70 lines. Well, it could go here, there. All right, so I guess the whole world is in trouble. You know, like, like, what the hell are you doing? So all these so-called weather experts and, you know, reading off a chart sent to them by the National Weather Service, they're not doing anything. They're just not wearing a green color so their head doesn't stick out and look like morons behind that green screen. So they're just trying to look pretty or handsome or whatever it is. And God bless them for it because they're making a lot of money just to look good on screen and read a script. But people plan their weekends, you know, with their families based off these quote-unquote experts you know, and they ruin their fun family time because you don't see a storm coming or you weren't told it was going to snow. And it turns out to be maybe a flake or two or maybe it turns out to be 10 degrees above freezing and just kind of like, oh, we canceled the trip for nothing now because these idiots don't know what they're talking about. We rely on them for one thing, the weather. Just get that part right. And we're really happy with your five minutes on TV. So that's my rant of the week. Damn, something happened today with the weather, Jay. Like you guys get like hurricane, <laughs> we're expecting. They've been saying 
They've been saying it's going to rain every single day. And I actually have to make plans around that because of my job. I know it sounds weird. No reason to get into it now. It'll take way too much time. But it actually affects me where things get canceled ahead of time because a lot of events are held out here in Florida, obviously because of the weather. And they expect rain. It's like, oh, well, you know, we're going to push it off to another day. And there's not one fucking drop in the whole gosh damn state. So I, I can't figure out what the hell's going on. These guys need new professions or they got to they got to do something over here. Maybe artificial intelligence. I don't know. My question with that is when you look at like the national report, right, and they'll have different predictions. I'm like, aren't they all looking at the same data? <laughs> you have different <laughs> predictions for if it's going to rain, if it's going to snow, if there's going to be, you know, precipitation. How do you have different ones for that? Now, with me, my my memory of weathermen, I'll never forget the one one time my weatherman was on point in New Orleans. Before Hurricane Katrina, he said, hey, I'm not going to be here. And I'm the weatherman, which means that you shouldn't be here. My mom was like, okay, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, he was on point. He was right. We should, no one should be there. And he was like, I'm not going to be here. And they paid me, they offered to pay me extra money to be here. And I'm not going to be here. <laughs> so you make sure you go. I'll never forget that. And I was like, oh, he's, Leslie kept it 100 with us and said that he's not going to be here. So we need to go. Yeah, it's funny. They can't get the little things right, but the big events, you know, they seem to like, you know, kind of do pretty good with that. It's unbelievable. That's they can't get the snow right either. So part of my job is, believe it or not, we do have to interact with uh, local meteorologists. And uh, part of my job is taking different reports from, you know, different weather services and meteorologists and kind of coming to like a consensus. And it's freaking impossible. Okay. <laughs> because it is like, Oh, hey, yeah, Monmouth County, New Jersey. You're on the rain, snow, sleet, ice, freeze line. You're going to get anywhere from one to 24 inches. So when you're contracted out to these big clients and they want to know what's going on and what's going on with services and when are we continuing on the project, it's it's damn near impossible. So I agree with you, Jay. It is ridiculous. There we go. There we go. I'm glad you guys agree. And I love that you had actually backup stories to uh, to help me out on that. That's awesome. So that is my rant of the week. You meteorologists are lucky freaking people, man. All you got to do is read a script and you make a whole bunch of money and you're on TV. So good for you. My kid will definitely be a meteorologist. Nikki, <laughs> what's your rant of the week? Um, so, you know, it was really pissing me off the past few weeks. And then this week just pushed me over the edge. Me? No, <laughs> Whole Foods. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, the New York Times is really agitating me uh, because every time I open Twitter, I got to see one of their stupid ass articles trending. And it's either like fear mongering, like, oh, my God, there's a super UK California COVID strain coming for all of you. You got to wear 57 masks. You got to like live in your basement. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Oh, rent is dropping in New York. Now everyone could go live in their dream apartment. No, it's not. It rent is dropping from what four thousand to like thirty eight hundred for a shoebox. Like that's not. Please, so they're pissing me off. But this article really got me going. So the New York Times. I don't know if you guys saw it. it was on Monday. I wanted to throw my phone across the room. 
So sure. they have partnered with experts and an engineering company to conduct a study so that they can understand how schools can help reduce the exposure to COVID. And do you know what these experts and engineers came up with? I can't Win- wait to- <laughs> Windows, freaking windows. Oh, no shit, really? You mean to tell me that fresh air and ventilation is good for your immune system? Oh, what's next? You're going to tell me vitamin C and D and sunlight is good for colds? You're going to tell me that I should eat healthy, uh, you know, so I don't get sick all the time and, you know, do my yearly physical? I mean, what the fuck? What did you pay for this? Like, we learned this shit in kindergarten. Wash your hands, be sanitary, get your exercise, go outside and play. Like, I I cannot believe they paid for this study. I can't believe it took a pandemic for people to realize that schools should have windows because they're built like prisons. I mean, and the fact that people write this crap, they put it on Twitter and then guess what? It's behind a paywall. So you have to pay like $2.99 for somebody to tell you that schools should have windows. No, I can't. I'm done with it. I'll never read a New York Times again. It's ridiculous. Oh, man. New York Times. You heard it here. Nikki, she's done. That means everybody else is going to follow you might as well fold up and pack it up and get the hell on out of here now. That's it. Well done, Nikki. That was really good. That was really good. Didn't see that one coming, but I like <laughs> a lot. I like that. Oh, man, the posts. I remember that in my hands, like actually reading the paper. Doesn't happen. They have the, the newspaper here is like 45 feet long. You have to unfold it 758 different ways. It's like origami in order to read the fucking <laughs> one. It's ridiculous. I can't even handle it. So I'm done with papers. But uh, all right, Nikki, good rant of the week. I got mine in. Damien, what's up, man? So for my rant of the week, what's going on with the gas prices, man? Oh, man. (laughs) Like, so for me, if you don't know, like, I am a freelance sports reporter, podcaster, and which means there's going to be times when I don't have any work coming in, right? So in between, I'm a Lyft driver. And <laughs> when you're a Lyft driver, you notice the gas prices when they go up because now you have to make more money to make up for the money you put in your gas tank. Yeah, man. Oh, boy. And the gas in Arizona from like, went from like $2.25 to $3 in the span of like two weeks. Mm-hmm. What's going on? All right. And this isn't a political podcast. I don't know if the president even has anything to do with the gas prices. <laughs> but Joe Biden, come on, bro. We voted for you. Got you in. Help us out. <laughs> don't don't yeah. make a decision. Help wow. us out. Gas prices, like it help, it hurts everybody because people gotta get to work. Like I said, people who are helping people get to work, like myself, or helping people get wherever they need to go. We can't do it if the gas prices are too high, because then we're not making the profit. If they get to a point where, you know, it's at California gas prices. I don't know about New York, but when I was in California, gas prices were so bad. Like, you had to take the bus. <laughs> it, was, it, got, it got to that point where you just like, do, do I really need to drive? Yeah. Not bike. It got, it got to that point in California. Hopefully Arizona doesn't get like that. It's always been good here. But, man, the gas prices have gone out of the roof, man. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I said, being a Lyft driver, you notice it right away. Like, dang, now I got to make up for this extra amount I'm putting in my gas tank. So whoever controls the gas prices, whatever it is, the stock market, get it back down. Help us out. All right. Because this is getting out of control. 
<laughs> well said. Jeez, well no, said. You're right. The uh, prices in Jersey, like, and I, especially because I live very, I'm pretty close to the beach, only a few miles away. But by July, swear to God, it's going to be like five, six dollars. Like, it's going to cost a fortune for me to drive a few miles to the beach. And so I'm thinking, hmm, should I just go over the Red Bank Bridge? Should I just walk? Like, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> that's, maybe that's better. But yeah, no, I, I feel you. They are going, and that's the what you said, D. They're going up like, rapidly in a very short amount of time so yeah what's going on 33 podcast needs answers let's go well we, we know the answer they'll suck any money out of us that they possibly can and we know that they know we need to get around unless you have an electrical car or you ride a bicycle that's pretty much it so we have no freaking choice and that's why they got us right by the you know what and it sucks pisses me off but that was that I like. That was one of the best uh, rants that we've had. That was all around really good. I like what you guys did right there. Sometimes we have to go into places that are dark, but you know what? We brighten them up by shining the light on that motherfucker. So you know what? Let's brighten it up right now. Let's get to Mount Playa Playa AFC East Division Draft Decision. That's what we're going with right now. We're going to try to figure out which way and which way they should go. And we're starting with the AFC East, and we'll go through each division until we do get to the draft. So, guys, I figured we'd start with the team who did win the division for the first time since 1995, I think it was, and finally had to throw in the Patriots, and it was the Buffalo Bills who made it all the way to the AFC Championship game, but they got clobbered by Kansas City. Unfortunately, we know Patrick Mahomes got hurt from there and so on and so forth. But what did the Bills need to do after what we saw out of them last year, knowing what we what they do have, what do they need and where do you think they're going to go? Damien, let me go to you first. And while we do that, I'm just going to make sure I got the draft order correct and see where they are drafting. I know it's pretty low, but um, where do you think they have to go right now and what's the move for them? As they, they draft 30th overall. So we know they're not going to get the highest pick unless they make a trade. Yeah, so for them, I think they need to show up their defense. That defense took a major step back last year. Um, one of the reasons they were in the J.J. Watt sweepstakes was because they need that edge rusher. So I think they should go with a defensive end or outside linebacker uh, for them. Or they can go running back that late in the first round. Like, their running game was real, you know, just not there last year. That could be partly offensive line. Or running back the offensive line did protect Josh Allen pretty well, though. So I would go first defense or running back. If there's somebody there, maybe that guy from Clemson uh, who looks to be like a can't miss prospect there, but most likely edge or outside linebacker. Very interesting. All right. I like it because, yeah, there's a couple of guys coming out in the draft that you can get, you know, late, you know, in the, you know, in the first round, maybe, uh, you know, an Etienne or something like that. So that's, that's pretty interesting right there. All right. I like where you went with that. And uh, yeah, there's also, like you said, I mean, defensive line that's why they were looking at J.J. Watt and definitely wanted him and that's where I thought he was going to end up going so all right let's uh, keep going with this Nikki what do you think the Bills got to do over here yeah no I think it's pretty clear they need help on defense so uh you know corner feels like a possibility to me they they need some pass rushing D-line presence so I could see them going linebacker as well but I think they definitely need to address the defense yep I agree with with you guys completely um you know of course, you would always say you want to sure up the O-line if you can get, you know, a great offensive lineman at the 30th pick. That's wonderful. But I'm leaning more toward you guys. They need a pass rusher. They need somebody who's going to put constant pressure 
on the quarterback. And again, that'll just help out that great secondary and that defense that we saw not last year, but the year before. And I would expect them to get back to that and sure it up. So let's see if they do go that direction in the first round. We all agree on that one. The team that finished second, <laughs> it's not the Patriots, it's the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, they got two in now. It seems that they're going to stick with him. All this Deshaun Watson trade we'll see into the future. But assuming what the team has right now, you look at the Miami Dolphins, they were a game away from going to the playoffs last year. What are they missing, Nikki? Um, yeah, let's assume that they're sold on Tua and they're moving forward with him, which for the sake of sanity in this conversation, I think we'll just assume that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that they definitely need to address the wide receiver position. Um, so just kind of doing uh, some draft research uh, over the past few weeks and kind of looking at the mock drafts. Looks like they have them going uh, with this kid, Jamar Chase. Um but I think what's also interesting is the possible reunion of Tua and Devonta Smith, uh, wide receiver, Alabama, who caught the game-winning pass from Tua in the national championship game against Georgia. So, I mean, he might be a reach there, but I, I, I've seen that he's, Smith is also projected possibly to go to the 49ers. Um, but if I'm Miami, I'm probably giving some serious consider- consideration to the possible chemistry that those two might have together. They're familiar with each other, and I don't think that that would be a bad thing. All right. That was very well explained by her, Damien. I like that. Yeah, no, I was going the same direction as her. She explained it very well by a receiver. If you're sticking with Tua, let's give him some weapons. Uh, one of the reasons that he thrived at Alabama is that he always had the best receivers in the country. Um, so let's give him some wide receivers and see what he does here. And, you know, so he doesn't have, there's no doubt. Right. And Jamar chase was somebody who, if he was eligible to come out last year, would have been a top pick. Like he's that good at wide receiver. I mean, it was part of that LSU team that just dominated along with, you know, Burrow and the rest of those guys there. So that's a really good pick. Devontae Smith, I think would be a good pick as well at three. Uh, you know, you don't win a Heisman or wide receiver without being dynamic and very, very good. So wide receiver is definitely where they should go if they don't go offensive line. Yeah, I'm liking what you guys are saying. And the reason why maybe they can gamble with a running back at three or a wide receiver at three or, you know, more De- Devonta Smith at number three if he's there, which if Sam Darnold is still with the Jets, he might not be. But we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, But the Dolphins have the third and the 18th pick. So they back themselves up there, whether it's a trade or whatever it may be, they can still pick up a quality player at 18. I'm with you guys. Excuse me. It's offense. I'm not drafting a running back at number three. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't happen. But I would definitely look at the receiver spot. And, you know, again, if that's the number one receiver out there, Devontae Smith, and that's hands down, Heisman Trophy winner, I would definitely give two a weapon. So I totally 100% agree with you guys. But I do believe that somewhere along the line, they should draft the running back who can make some noise and actually start right away because that would help the offense even that much more. So, all right, I like where you guys' heads are at right now. We're pretty much uh, in the same area over here as we get to the third place team where we finally do get to the Patriots. Here they are. They finished at whatever it was, seven and nine, six and 10. Can't remember off the top of my head, but 
they had problems in a lot of places. And guys, we also know that was large part due to the fact because a lot of players were missing due to COVID, other injuries, whatever it may be, no more Tom Brady, all that sort of stuff. So we know they do, they do have to address the quarterback position. We don't know exactly what's going to be going on over there. But, you know, when the hell does New England draft a quarterback in the first round? You know, 1990 never. So I don't know how the hell that's going to work out. And they have the 15th overall pick. Yes, they did finish at seven and nine. Maybe they draft a quarterback, guys. I don't know. Damien, what are you thinking? They definitely need a quarterback. They're in a weird spot in the draft because this is a top-heavy quarterback draft. Um, they're saying that they'll probably be five in the first round and then only like five more throughout the entire rest of the draft. Um, that's how thin it is. And at 15, that may be too early to pick the quarterback out of Alabama. Uh, I believe it's Mac Jones. Yeah. His name. Uh, he's somebody who seems like a perfect Patriot. You know, he's going to be, he's a statue. Like he's not your modern quarterback. He's a little old school, um, but can make all the throws, you know, definitely can read defenses, anticipate. So he could be there for them at 15 if they want to take that chance. If not, they have a lot of other places they need help. Wide receiver, for sure. Like, let's get whoever you have at quarterback. Let's get them somebody to throw to because Cam was throwing to basically me and Jason out there. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so let's get the quarterback some weapons out there. So if they don't pick a quarterback, I'll go wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, I dig that. That makes – look, they – I'll go second. I wrote down playmaker, like bottom line. Like, obviously, look, I don't know about Mac Jones. I think that would be a reach. I know with Nick Saban, they got the relationship and everything like that. And it seems like a perfect fit. But I just don't know if this guy is like what Joe Burrow was and going to come in and rock the league. And then, you know, you're settling for maybe the fourth or fifth best quarterback. If you really believe in him, fine. Go ahead and do that because they need one. But Maybe they find quarterbacks somewhere else. Look, all I know is that they need playmakers on offense. So wide receiver, yeah, that probably should be the way to go. But if they get the quarterback that they like, that they want, and not have to settle for Nikki, then I think they have to go that direction. Because right now they're really stuck with nobody. Um. Yeah, no, I just wrote down <laughs> this. They got to go quarterback. So – all right, it's, they're floating it around out there. It looks like the Patriots may trade with Denver for the nine or Atlanta for the four. And I really, 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 truly believe that that may happen because one, Bill Belichick is not going to sit back and let everybody else dictate the quarterback decisions. Like he wants his opportunity at a quarterback and I think he's going to get it. And two, what are your options here? Really? You're going to get Jimmy G again for what a year or two is he your long-term answer I'm not saying any of these quarterbacks are going to be anyone's long-term answer that remains to be seen but um, I think they have to address it and if they like somebody and they want to trade up to get them then that's what you go and do and I think they're going to do it all right so Nikki's got confidence that they're actually going to go ahead and, and get this thing done over here and you know what I Bill Belichick he's going to sometimes ha- maybe look at himself in the mirror Damien and say you know what, this is what I need to do. It's not what I've done before, but I got to get my team back on track. He ain't getting any younger. So you need a quarterback, man. Otherwise, you ain't going nowhere. Yeah, no, you definitely need a quarterback. We all know it's the most important position on the field, but you also need the right one. So if you don't feel the right one is there, don't reach. Right. That can change the franchise forever. We've seen it happen, or at least for you know a good amount of time. 
So you want to pick the right one or you want to get the right one in free agency. So like I said, if you don't get a quarterback, at least get the quarterback somebody to throw the ball to. Exactly. Exactly. Makes perfect sense. Like I said, playmaker, they need playmakers. They really need to hit a home run in this draft over here. And, you know, the players that do come back, hopefully they're ready to go. And yeah, the Patriots could be, again, a contending team. We'll see. They were seven and nine where they were pretty much broken last year. So that's, you know, kind of, you know, compliments what Cam did and Bill Belichick, obviously. Getting to the last place team, the Jets, where the speculation all over the place, what should they do? Is Sam Darnold their guy? This, that, the other thing. The Jets need help, obviously, all over. We know that. They were a, a terrible team last year. They draft, uh, what, second this year, I believe it is. So, you know, the question is, are they going to, you know, trade back? Or are they going to get a quarterback and try to trade Sam Darnold? Or are they going to keep this pick, get the best guy available, whether it's an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, which they also need. I don't know if they would go with, you know, Devontae that high. I don't know. But they also need a playmaker. They probably, in my opinion, guys, from where they are, should move back and give a team who wants a quarterback so bad at number two, because it's not going to be Trevor Lawrence, obviously. Jacksonville's going to take him. And we'll get to that division in a couple of weeks. I think the Jets should trade out of that pick, keep Sam Darnold, and get as many players as they possibly can around him with a new coach, a new regime coming in. My guy, Robert Sala, they're going to have a better defense. So they're not going to be as dependent on Darnold to do things. And yeah, they're going to have to get him a playmaker somewhere later on, obviously. And maybe they could do that through free agency. I don't know, but... I think the Jets need to accumulate as many picks as they possibly can. And I don't think, in my opinion, they should get rid of Sam Darnold. I think they need to build around him and see what they got as opposed to going after, I don't know, uh, Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or something like that, where you're really not sure. And then all you're doing is plugging in another quarterback with a crappy team. So that's why I think they need to move back out of that spot and, you know, get a King's ransom for it, Nikki. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I said the same thing last week. I mean, you know, if I'm the Jets, I'm, I'm keeping Sam Darnold. I'm trading back and I'm building with this young talent because like you said, it's just like plug and play. Like, yeah, good quarterback. I mean, if you got nothing around him, though, like how much can he possibly do? So something I saw was that they're saying the Jets may, you know, go ahead and trade back with the Panthers at eight. So if they're at eight, do they go and get someone like Kyle Pitts? I think... You know, I would like to see the Giants get him, but um, I think that for the Jets, that's a great piece. He's like a, you know, kind of George Kittle-esque. I think that's a great piece for the Jets. Um, and But again, this all depends on how they feel about Sam Darnold. And of course, I wrote my notes last night and today they're like, yeah, we're entertaining trades and we're making it public. So right. probably get this wrong because that's what they do, but they should <laughs> keep him and trade back. I, Nikki, you and I totally agree. They need help all over the place. And look, if I pick one position that they're going to need help with at the moment, it would be secondary, I guess. But Damien, they need help all over. And again, that's why Nikki and I both think that they should trade back out of that second pick, get, you know, a, a couple of more second rounders this year, or first round or next year, whatever it may be, because they're not winning the Super Bowl this season. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I couldn't say it any better. Honestly, I have nothing to add. Uh, you guys, you guys said everything I, I was, you know, was about to say. Keep Sam Donald, build around him, and give him a fighting chance. You haven't done that for him in his career yet, so let's make it happen, man. Give him a fighting chance. But you, like you said, they're gonna get it wrong. 
they're going to draft a QB, put them in a situation with no help. And it's going to be, you know, history repeating itself. So we'll see that happen. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. And I'm really curious again. Look, the Patriots, I feel, will make a comeback in this division and make it a little bit tougher. But it seems like it's the Bills and Dolphins to win. You know, one of those teams and the Dolphins defense got really good at this point. They're better than the Bills uh, unless they readjust, you know, whatever it may be. And the Bills offense is certainly better than the Dolphins. So that's why they both need to, where we talked about, the Bills need to go pass rusher, Dolphins need to get more weapons on offense, and CU's going to come out at the end. So battling between those two teams, we're not making our predictions for 2021 yet, but at at this point, who do you like going in more now? Now that we're going to have an offseason, two will have time, uh, you know, you get more healthy players back and everything, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Damian, I'm going to go to you first. Obviously, the Bills went all the way to the AFC Championship, and that Josh Allen, quantum, <laughs> leap, 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 <laughs> that he took this year was incredible. But I do think that, too, is a really good quarterback. And again, given weapons around him, like we talked about with Sam Darnold, maybe they could overtake uh, Buffalo. What do you think? I still think Buffalo is the most complete team in the division by far. Uh, and they can improve that defense. So they'll put them even more over the top. And with Tua, we don't know. You know, Tua, he didn't look good last year. We didn't, we saw a little, we saw a flat, we saw flashes of being decent. We didn't see flashes of greatness. Yeah. So for Tua, we need to see those flashes of greatness before we can say, like, oh, he has a potential. Right now, we're hoping. Uh, with Josh Allen, like you say, he took that quantum leap. So we know the greatness is there and he should continue on his path. And that defense, if they, you know, work on improving it through through the draft or through free agency, they can still be a Super Bowl contender. So I definitely think they're the best in the division. I do agree with you. I still think the Bills are the best in the division. Um, I'm kind of leaning toward Brian Flores maybe being the – I don't know if he's the better coach, but I feel like he gets guys to play for him more, and I feel like he gets the most out of his team – um, does that weigh around with you, Nikki, where that, that can possibly take over the Bills? Not saying that the Bills aren't cohesive. I'm not saying that at all. But the Dolphins seem to progressively keep getting better. Now, they shit the bed last year in the last game of the season against Buffalo when Buffalo really didn't even need it. So that can tell you a lot right there. But I'd like to see a full offseason and see what this team can do and especially who they're going to draft so high. Yeah, I don't think they're going to overtake Buffalo because I just think Buffalo doesn't need that many pieces, you know, to push them over the edge. Um, I feel like Miami is just a work in progress. They're close, though. Um, definitely <laughs> closer than New England and the friggin' Jets. I think New England's kind of <laughs> got a lot of work ahead of them, um, and it's probably a very different feeling for them and their fans and the organization. Uh, I think Bill Belichick is pissed that Brady just won another Super Bowl. Um, And I just, the Jets are a mess. I I expect nothing but disaster from them. And I hope they prove me wrong. But I mean, just going off of their history, I've got no hope for them. I don't think they should be in our ranting recaps. Like if they, if listen, I'm telling you guys right now, they start out like, Oh, here we go. Oh, and three, Oh, and four. Oh, five. No, I'm not talking about them ever again. I'm not talking <laughs> about them. They don't deserve airtime. It is a disastrous organization. So, you know, yeah. Buffalo for me, then Miami, new England, and the jets just are in the bottom of the barrel. 
Yeah, the uh, the only hope they got is my guy Robert Sala going over there and uh, taking the Fleur, the younger Lafleur, with him. So uh, you know, defensively, if they can really get strong over there, they won't have to score a whole bunch of points. We'll see. We'll see. We've seen great uh, Jets defenses in the past with Rex Ryan and uh, you know a couple of guys like that, but definitely not where they are right now. That's for sure. And we'll see if the Patriots can make any noise. I'm really looking forward to see who's going to be their quarterback, whether it's through the draft, like we were talking about. Cam Newton comes back, who they definitely like. We'll see. We got a lot more to go. And we do have two more segments to go, guys. So you're going to sit right there. We got knowledge with Nikki coming up. And we have obviously no freaking idea what the topic is going to be. But we're going to find out in 60 seconds after this little music break. Then get to our unpopular opinions. And then, like Porky Pig would say, bleep, bleep, bleep. That's all, folks. We'll be out of here soon. So... 60 second break and we're right back on third and three. with the third and three podcast letter q of the alphabet soup of the third and three music queen latifah q-tip quiet riot quad city djs come on ride the train to choo choo train yep nikki picked that one just so everybody knows but that was a good one i like dancing and that stuff i like dancing and all you know what that dance off that they had in guardians of the galaxy and footloose and all that i love that shit man everybody should step up and stomp up or whatever the fuck that shit is. I love dancing. Dance is fun. That's how we should solve every problem. Whoever wins the dance wins the fight. We don't need. <laughs> I'm definitely down for all the world's issues to be solved with a dance off. I'm definitely down for that. For sure. That's it. That's all we need. You get served. Take a seat, pal. That's it. We don't have to freaking do anything else. Just keep your hands to yourself, and we're all good to go. All right. Oh, I can't wait for this one. Here we go. We don't know what the hell she's going to freaking do because she is tricky as hell, man. You know what's coming up. Hit it! I think it's very full of your knowledge and it has just been a wonderful thing i've become so much smarter because of you let's keep it freaking going man what do you say yes let's keep it going 
So you guys, this week, since it is, well, March is Women's History Month, I thought we would do a little women in sports trivia. That sounds okay. great. I dig it. Right. Who's up first? I, think I am I'm, up. Yeah, yeah, I'm up okay. for this week. All right. Let the music play. In honor Alex Trebek, here we go. Here we go. All right, D. When did the United States women win their first soccer World Cup championship? And who was it against? Oh, I'm going to say 99 against... Uh, Mexico. Jay? 84 against Canada. 91 against Norway. Right in the middle. (laughs) 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 All right. All right, D. So, Pat Summit is the winningest Division I women's basketball coach of all time. How many wins did she amass in her career at Tennessee? Oh man, it's a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Yeah, no, she, yeah, she did a lot. Um, I'm gonna go with a thousand one twenty eight. Jay, that number scares me a little bit. You sound close. I don't know why, for some reason, I have. The 800s in mind. I'm going to go with 884. 1,098. No, not bad. D was yeah. pretty close. D was close. I, I think he gets a point for that. I'll give it to him, baby. All right. Nice yeah. Job. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh. About time, guys. Well, we're rolling now. Baby. We're rolling. <laughs> All right, D, number three. Who has the most gold medals among American female Olympians? Mm. I'm going to go with, ooh, I was going to say a name, but I don't know if hers count anymore. Um, so I'm going to go with Jacka jo- Jackie Joyner-Kersey. Jay? I think if I'm right, this is something recent, is it? And her name is Katie Ledeck. Is that her? Jenny Thompson. She is eight. Oh, oh. swimming, yeah. Oh, okay, swimming. All swimming. Right. That's where I went with swimming, Katie. Lede- yep, Katie Ledecky, I think her name. All right, I'm wrong. No problem. <laughs> it sounds like a problem. <laughs> 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 All right, D, number four for you. In 1926, Gertrude Earl was the first woman to swim the English Channel. How long did it take her to complete the swim? Oh. I'm going to say it took an hour. Jay? I'm going to say it took like two weeks. 14 hours and 31 minutes. Wow. You know what kind of shape you got to be in to swim for that long? That's (laughs) cool. Wow. Good for Gertrude. Way to go, sister. (laughs) (laughs) All right, D, good job. So got one on that. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, D. Well done. 
All right, Jay, here we go. Question number one for you. Who was the first woman to race in the Indy 500? In the Indy 500? Um, Because I have no idea. Danica Patrick. No. <laughs> no. Do you want to try? Yeah, I have no idea either. Okay. Janet Guthrie, 1977. Yep. Mm. Way out on that one. <laughs> All right. Maybe you get this one. I feel good about it. Okay. In 1971, the rules of women's basketball in the United States were changed to have five players per team using a full court. What other rule was also implemented at that time? Okay, so in 1971, they put five players on a, per team. Using a full court, yes. Using a full court. What other rule was implemented? I'll go with the shot clock. You got it. All right. Oh, there you go, Jay. Nice job. Kind of made sense. Kind of made sense. All right, I need to get one more to beat this guy over here. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, number three. Abby Wambach is the world record holder among both male and female players for goals scored in international soccer matches. How many goals has she scored? 23. D? <laughs> I'm not doing the cheating thing, Jason, but I was really thinking 24. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. 184. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Soccer goals are hard to come by. Like, that's really impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. All right, Jay. Let's go. It's all riding on this one, all right? It is. And he can steal it, too. So this, it all comes down to this one. All right. In, 2000, in the 2012 Olympic Games, 44% of athletes were female. How many medals did the women earn in a combined total? So, so, how, so a cumulative, not a percentage, like how many? Yes. Okay, so how many medals? Yep. Just medals in general did the women win in 2012? Mm-hmm. And 44% of them were women. I'm going to say 27. D? I'm going to say 60. 58. I would give that to D. Oh, oh yeah, give it a D. Oh, my God. Wow. Good job, man. Nice job, guys. Good job, D. Took this one this week. About time. Woo. <laughs> really good. I can't be that close. That's amazing. Great job, bro. Seriously, I'm impressed. That's very good. I was thank nowhere. You, thank here. you. Thank you. All right, not bad, not bad. Nikki, as always, well done. Round of applause, well Thank done. Topic this week makes perfect sense. Absolutely great, fantastic. That is the knowledge with Nikki. Does it get any better than that? There ain't no freaking show in the whole world that does what we do. That's it, that's it. We do the right <laughs> All right, that was awesome, Nikki. Way to go. All right, so we are finally up to the last segment of the evening. That is unpopular opinions. This always gets fun. You never know what's going to happen. And I can't wait to hear my compadres over here talk about what they got. And then I'll say what I got. Damien, would you like the honor, sir? Yes, I would love to start unpopular opinion. Uh, this week, my unpopular opinion is one 
that part of it's going to be popular, but part of it will be unpopular. So with the NBA, most recently, you'll see a lot of teams or players joining forces, right? We saw, you know, if you go back to 2010, we saw LeBron join forces with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. We saw Kevin Durant join Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. Uh, even before that, we saw Kevin Durant, but that was more trade-oriented with, no, Kevin Garnett, excuse me. Kevin Garnett joined Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. And most recently, we saw James Harden get traded to the Nets to join Kyrie and KD. So for me, I think there should be a system put in to prevent players from joining each other like this. So free agency is wonderful, but I think there should be a limit on the freeness of free agency. (laughs) So, (laughs) So the NBA, there should be some system set up to where you can't have two top 10 players on the same team. Got to spread the wealth, right? So right now, Kevin Durant and James Harden are both top 10 players. And you can make an argument for Kyrie, but Kyrie's probably top 15. So you have three of the top 15 players on one team. There's 30 teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And three of the top 15 players are on one team. Yep. So for me, I would say, if there's already a top 10 player on a team, in order for another top 10 player to join that team, that team had to be either a six seed or lower the year before. Right? I like this. I like where you're going right now. Yeah. Or it has to be two players where neither one of them have won an MVP. So that would have prevented Kevin Durant from joining Steph Curry because Steph Curry had already won two MVPs before Kevin Durant joined him and Kevin Durant already had one. It would have prevented James Harden from joining Kevin Durant this year because both of those guys already have MVPs. If you already have MVPs and you, whatever metric we make for top 10 players, if you are within that metric, you can't join each other. So I understand there's going to be people that are with me on it, but there's going to be people against me on it because it would limit free agency, right? And you don't want to limit choices. But I feel like for competitive, for just the competition's sake, we should put in a rule, some type of standard to stop this from happening. Because right now the Nets are playing beautifully. James Harden is an MVP candidate after dogging it in Houston, looking like one of the worst players in the league in Houston, he was out there looking fat and everything else. And then, then gets to Brooklyn and now is probably going to be in the MVP conversation. That's how good he's playing now. It's true. It's true. And it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that he weaseled his way out of Houston to get to Brooklyn to join. You can make an argument for three top 10 players, but I'm going to say three of the top 15. We have to, get, we have to stop this. That, that's absolutely fair. And you can even look at L.A. and say, you know, uh, maybe even Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are obviously A.D. and LeBron. Like, you know, maybe these guys shouldn't be able to pair up. Whatever it is, I don't know what the parameters would be. I do kind of like your idea with like the sixth seed or something like that. But I, I love your idea overall. And whatever the parameters may be, I, I, I'm into it because 
it, it is too much flooded. And last week I spoke on the show, I think it was last week where I was saying, you need to contract these leagues. There's, you know, too many, you know, not, you know, again, great players or, you know, below average players that are around because you have 30 teams in the league. So you get rid of a couple and you make the competition better. And this way you don't have to flood one team in the East and one team in the West with all the best players. So I'm with you all the way. There should be something. And I don't even know how they get this done with the salary cap. That blows my mind because all these players are making $45 million. So I can't figure it out for the life of me, but they're allowed to do it. They're doing it. And you're right. While people are loving to watch it because it is exciting and wait till Kevin Durant gets back, he's not even on the court. I, I get all that. I don't love it though. Cause now they're immediately, you know, the best team in the East, or if you want to talk Philly or whatever. So I'm totally with you. And we see that every time these teams get together, KD in Golden State, and again, LeBron in Miami, like you mentioned, and certain others, they win championships. And that's the way it goes when you put the best players together and they coach themselves. So I'm with you all the freaking way, bro. I love it. Well done. Thank you, sir. Yeah, D, I, how come nobody's hired you as, like, commissioner of a league? Like, you always have <laughs> these, like, reasonable, rational, logical, you know, solutions to problems. I mean, we joked about it before. Like, maybe you should run in politics, get the gas prices lowered or whatever. But, I mean, I think that's one of the things I like most about you. You're very all the solutions are so well thought out um, that it's hard to argue against it. And I agree with you guys, not that I would, but damn, somebody make D commissioner. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh. No, thanks, man. I appreciate it. If like, I would rather have this show be national than be commissioner though. So oh. <laughs> let's, let's make this show be national. Wow. <laughs> See, that's I take him one for the team right there. That's what I'm talking about. That's a true team. <laughs> No, That's whatever somebody. league it is takes us all. It's a package deal. Believe me, you need all three of our skill sets. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. like if I ever get to be commissioner, you guys are definitely going to be my right and left hand people. Like, definitely. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. I love it. Oh, man, that is awesome. Yep. Yeah, very, very well thought out, Zeke. I, I think that's fantastic. That, that's great right there. All right, Nick, want to follow it up? Oh, man. Mine is so <laughs> silly compared to... <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So my unpopular opinion is that Saturday Night Live needs to be canceled. Oh, <laughs> this is this is going to hurt some people, but this is good. This is interesting. I know it's going to hurt some people. And listen, I let me just get this out of the way. I'm aware that, you know, quote unquote, comedy is subjective. I have a different sense of humor. But listen, I, I just think that this show lately like I remember watching this years ago and I thought the skits were funny but like in the recent years I just think the show is so freaking overrated I think the writing is terrible I don't think the talent is terrible because listen to do these cold opens and improvise that's not easy to do so I give them credit but I think the writing is terrible. I think the skits are corny as hell. I see these highlights like every Sunday. And people are like, oh, SNL is trending. This is their whatever skit they do, the world news, this and that. And I'm watching it and I'm like, who's cracking a smile? Like, I just don't think this shit is funny. And I think it is way, way, way too political. Like, I, I don't know. I remember watching this, like, say in like early 2000. I don't remember the show being so goddamn political, but but it really is. It feels like the writers are trying to like 
outright reality in a way. And it's just not working. It is silly. It is stupid. I think it needs to be canceled and everybody needs to move on with their lives and go to Netflix and watch some real comedy that will probably offend you. (laughs) See, these are unpopular opinions, but I freaking totally agree again. I'm with you all the way. Now, I wasn't a diehard Saturday Night Live fan. Uh, but of course I watched it now. I remember the Eddie Murphy days and then Adam Sandler coming mm-hmm. along and so on and so forth. And that was amazing. And I mm-hmm. loved when during the skits that they couldn't hold in their laughs sometimes. And Chris Farley was like, you are living in a van down by. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> this stuff doesn't come up anymore. Nikki, I totally agree. They're washed up, they're washed out. But because they have Saturday Night Live, they'll have those loyal watchers. But you know what? Unfortunately, I hate to say this, those people are going away. I, I don't, I hate to even say something like they're getting older. Okay. Let's just put it that way. So it, I think at some point it's going to stop or they're going to change the whole thing around to a different format. Cause I'm with you. It does not work. And absolutely they have gone over and above and beyond with this political crap. It's driving me crazy. Yeah. I'm right there with you. The Trump stuff just wasn't funny. And I think who who made Alec Baldwin like the comedy guy? Like, <laughs> like I understand, you know, he he I guess that's a good Trump impression, I guess, but like for me, I just don't find any of those funny. They even had like him doing a debate against, you know, Biden. And like you said, they wouldn't they would do stuff that really happened and then just try to go over the top. It's not original at all. Um for me, there are certain skits that stand out. Like, I guess you'll see those, the ones that are funny go viral because it's so far and few between, right? So like they had, uh, I remember the one they did with Black Jeopardy with Tom Hanks and he played like this Trump supporter who, but also knew black culture. And it was actually like a funny way to show that we're not that different. Mm. And it was like, okay, that was, that was good. That was really well thought out. I liked it. Uh, the one with Chad Chadwick Boseman, where he was the Black Panther on Black Jeopardy, was really funny. Uh, and you have, you know, the Family Feud ones are funny as well. Um, you know, where Kenan Thompson acts like Steve Harvey, and they do like the funny ones. And the Dave Chappelle episode was hilarious. But outside of those, and every once in a while, you'll get a really good monologue, like Dave Chappelle's monologue, you know, Eddie Murphy when he did his, and he had Chris Rock come up. So every once in a while you'll get it, but because they are so far and few between, I remember those vividly. And I don't watch the show like that. So it shows you the lack of quality that's coming out of it. So good, you know, unpopular opinion there, Nikki. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, like I said, definitely going to rub people the wrong way because, you know, they're, you know, they're lifers with this thing. But you know what? Reality is reality. And Nikki <laughs> smacked you in the face with it. So great job. With that. I often rub people the wrong way. So nothing new for me. Right, stick to your guns, stick to your score. <laughs> All right, well, for the last unpopular opinion, mine is going to be football-related, and I'm actually going to be talking about your team, D, a little bit, but also another team. So here's the deal, guys. All the quarterback carousel, you know, the Russell Wilson talk, the Dak Prescott talk, I believe that Prescott's going to get franchise tags, so he's not going anywhere. Russell Wilson, I don't know how they're going to trade him. Maybe he gets to the Bears somehow, but I highly doubt it. I believe he's staying in Seattle. So let's say all that being said, the most realistic and best option for a team like the New Orleans Saints at quarterback right now is Drew Brees. He's the best guy for them. There is nobody else out there that's 
going to be able to do better than him and know this offense better coming in with the ready-made Super Bowl team, all right? They're just not going to get Deshaun Watson, and they're not going to get Russell Wilson or really any of these top guys. So Drew Brees, while, yes, his arm has been dying out uh, when it comes to playoff time and things like that, I totally agree with these things, and I see them. But if we're talking about the best option, Drew Brees is the best option for the New Orleans Saints, just like Big Ben is the best option for the Pittsburgh Steelers because they have nobody else. I know they signed Dwayne Haskins, but by no means are they going to put him in as a starter right away. It's not going to happen. If he comes along great and he plays in 2022, this is a different story. So these old quarterbacks, one is 42, going to be 43. Big Ben's 39 or coming up on 39. And obviously they're not what they once were, but they're still the best options for their team in reality. Again, taking out the Sean Watson and Russell Wilson, which are not going to happen, and Dak Prescott's not going to happen, and none of these other things are going to happen unless they make a draft choice. You make a draft choice, you're setting your team back a little bit, unless you know you hit uh, you know lightning in a bottle or whatever the freaking term is. So, I would like to just propose that to both of you, De- starting with you and your team, and you know them better than I do. What's their best option at quarterback realistically? Honestly, realistically, it's Jameis Winston, I think, at this point. Uh, with You're right. Now, part of what you're saying is correct. Drew Brees knows the system. He's still going to be able to get us down the field, matriculate the ball down the field. But like you said, we have a Super Bowl-ready team, but Drew Brees is no longer a Super Bowl quarterback. Come playoff time, those windows get tighter. We saw how Tampa Bay defended us. They were like, you're not, you're not going to throw over the top. And Drew Brees' arm is going to do nothing but get weaker. So at this point, I think it's time for us to move on. Well, I said it last year, honestly. Like a lot of people thought I was crazy. I said we should have signed Teddy Bridgewater and we should have gave Drew Brees the golden parachute package to retire. And now that's not crazy. That's yeah. because I like Teddy Bridgewater going to the New Orleans Saints this year. But go ahead, continue, please. Yeah, so after what he did last year, going 5-0 and in Drew Brees' absence – he knew the system. He has a good enough arm. Like Drew, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have a cannon by any means, but still has an arm to get the ball downfield, makes good decisions, right? So because the worry with Jameis is decision-making. Teddy makes good decisions and has the arm to take advantage of the talent. We have speedsters like Trey Quan Smith and Deontay Harris who aren't able to go downfield unless we have Taysom Hill throw the ball or like we did in that playoff game against the Bears – have Jameis Winston come in. I don't know how the Bears didn't see that trick play coming. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to do stuff like that to throw the ball downfield because Drew literally can't do it anymore. And that limits you come playoff time to where the past four years, now it's not on him. The Minnesota Miracle, definitely not on Drew. You know, the no calling Nola, not on Drew. Right. But Right. Last year against Minnesota, didn't play that well. Right. Okay, you know what? That's fine, but but what about the two games against Tampa Bay earlier in the year? And I know that we're talking about later in the year now, Nicky. We're definitely coming to you, I promise. But what about the fact that he led two victories against the Super Bowl champions in the regular season? I know it was the playoffs, I get that, but does that give him any resolve or credit or anything in your mind? Uh, not really. Uh, the first game, he didn't really play that well. Our defense was able to turn Tom Brady over. Second game, our defense played phenomenal in week nine. When we beat them 38-3, to three, it was all short fields for Drew Brees. 
Um, so he didn't really, honestly, it was our defense that played phenomenal in those games. And then in the playoffs, our defense played well, but they were put in bad positions by Drew Brees. Uh, so it's something that we have to come to grips with. As Saints fans, we have to say goodbye to the greatest Saint of all time. I think it's time for us to move forward. Even if you have to take a step back, sometimes you have to take a step back to take three steps forward. And I think it's time for us to do that. Now for Pittsburgh, yeah, Big Ben seems like he still has something in the tank, but his arm is going as well. But they don't have an option like Jameis because Dwayne Haskins is even worse than what you think of Jameis, right? So it's, it's like, where do you go from there? So I get it with Pittsburgh, but with the Saints, I thought last year we should have moved on. So for me, I think it's time for us to say goodbye to Drew, but he'll always be loved in New Orleans. He'll eat for free, even though he's a quadrillionaire or whatever. Like, <laughs> he'll, he'll always be loved in New Orleans, and he's going to be the greatest saint of all time for a very long time and get all the love, but it's time for us to move on. All right. Well, listen, man, you're the Saints fan, so I totally hear where you're coming from. I do disagree. I I, I don't think Jameis is the answer. I like the Teddy Bridgewater one. That one I couldn't make an argument with because they're really not going to get anybody else big time. We saw what Bridgewater was able to do with that defense. So, um, yeah, what I thought about it is that, look, Drew Brees still probably is the best. I do like the Teddy B thing. And, again, going with the Steelers, I made the same point um, – now let's go to a non-Saints fan. Let's go to Nikki and see what she thinks about, you know, right now, the New Orleans Saints quarterback position. And then after that, please address the Steelers. Um, I'm just going to uh, defer to D because he knows best on the Saints. But no, really, I listen, you get to this point and this goes to my opinion with Ben Roethlisberger. I and I felt this way about Eli. Like you just, they're beloved. Okay. They've been with the franchise forever. You know, Eli will get free Duncan and beers forever for the rest of his life. There comes a point where you need to move on. So I completely and totally get it. It's bittersweet, but you see the decline and it needs to be addressed. So yeah, I mean, we saw it with Drew Brees and if they have a better option and somebody younger than I think it's time to probably move on. And I'm going to stand firm and maintain, I said this last year, that the Steelers really needed to address the quarterback situation because I think you're getting into this Eli Manning territory where it's let's build around for one more year. Let's build around for one more year. Let's try to do it for one more year. Well, if you weren't going to do it this year and you kind of fell apart, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see them doing what they did last year, this season, and they have got to find somebody. I get what you're saying that right now, Ben Roethlisberger is the best option. Yeah, that's right now. Um, I'm inclined to believe there is some young kid out there. I don't know, somebody a little bit younger, a little fresher, who's a better option. And the Steelers have got to address that like immediately to, to me because they're going to get to a point where they literally have nobody and Ben is going to be a shell of himself. Well, I totally agree. Both teams need to address it. Obviously, whether, you know, Drew Brees or Big Ben is there or not, they need to get their next quarterback. Now, I don't know if Pittsburgh did that with Dwayne Haskins, and I don't know if New Orleans, that was the intention with Jameis Winston now. But I don't think it's going to be Taysom Hill for a full 16 season. So that's why I said that these two guys are the best options right now, because I don't see anybody better than them coming in. And let's be honest, guys. Pittsburgh, again, they were 11-0 last year until their defense broke apart. Bud Dupree and Devin Bush probably next to T.J. Watt, their two best defensive players. Gone, out, linebackers, the thread of your offense, out of there. 
So no wonder why they folded and didn't look so good and obviously a shitty performance um, against Cleveland. As for the Saints, they were considered the best team in the NFC all season. Yes, D, in large part, in most part, due to that defense. But look when Russell Wilson was a younger kid and, you know, he was in his second, third year in the league and he had that defense behind him. If he did not have that defense, they were not going to win a Super Bowl. No shot in the world. So, again, my point is manage the offense as best you can as they did and let the defense do the work for you. You can't control injuries like that. I don't like Jameis Winston anywhere. To be, he's just not my kind of quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, more on my side with that. And, again, for the Steelers, Yes, both of them, again, are going to have to address the quarterback, and most likely Pittsburgh will do that in the draft. But whoever they draft this year is not going to be better than Big Ben and give them title hopes because I still think Damian and Nikki, Damian, I'll go to you first, and then we'll close this thing out. I still think that both of these teams have, have what it takes to make it to the Super Bowl. They do. Look, Pittsburgh, again, 11-0 last year. Defensive issues fell apart. Drew Brees, he definitely had his problems. Michael Thomas was not there. They had other COVID issues where even Kamara couldn't play. So we got to take these things into account and remember that sort of stuff. So just going back to you, D, you know, one more time with all that, they definitely have to address it. I agree with you, but I'm just finding it hard to find a replacement for either one of them that would be better right now for two teams that could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, like I said, I get what you're saying because those, you know, veteran quarterbacks who can read the defenses know those nuances of the game that somebody young wouldn't know, right? I get that. But at a, there comes a time where your mental can't help the lack of physical. And sure. I think that's where it is for Drew right now. He has the mental game. It's all there. But when it comes to the defense playing up tight and taking away all the short routes, that's when the physical comes in. Can you get it over the head? Can you get it downfield? Can you throw that beam that needs to be thrown in in tight coverage? And for Drew, it's not there anymore. And maybe he can help us out mentally. He can be there as a, you know, assistant coach if he wants to. Like, he can do anything he wants to do in New Orleans. Just don't play. Like, I think <laughs> it's time him to go. And he can help us out in so many different ways, but his arm just doesn't allow him to beat elite defenses anymore. And that's where you get in trouble in the playoffs. So I'm assuming that's the consensus with the New Orleans Saints fan is that it's like, all right, Drew, we're ready to move on and let's get the next quarterback going. That's pretty much the consensus for the most part. Yeah. From the, the diehard fans, it is. Um, you'll have the people who are the casual Saints fan who just love Drew. And they're like, oh, we want Drew to do another year. Don't leave us, Drew. Then you yeah. act in, you know, they ask them about the, they'll look at the stats, but they you could tell they're not actually talking about what happens during the game because Drew's stats weren't bad last year. So you'll get confused by that, or you can just look at that and say, like, oh, he still played well. He still completed the ball at a high percentage. But when it came down to making those throws, the ones that Tom Brady still can make, the ones Aaron Rodgers still can make, that's when you need that physical talent that's not there anymore. Yeah. Totally understood, man. I totally understand that. And that absolutely makes sense. Look, if he can't make the throws in the playoffs against the best teams, obviously, are in the playoffs, then that's a problem. So, again, my point was it's just so hard to find their replacement. So, Nikki, real quick in like a minute or so uh, before we close out over here, 
your thoughts just on what the last thing I said was, where these are two teams that could win the Super Bowl next year. And if you plug in another guy besides them, I think that rate goes way down. Well, I I just don't think Pittsburgh is – I just think they're going to take a step back. They don't really have anybody on offense as it is. So, I mean, they have to address more than just – if you're going with Ben, then you better get him some help. Uh, You know, like, so I just – I don't know. I, I think they're going to take a step back. And at some point for me, I just think you rip the bandaid off and you throw the kid in there and, and that's it. You're going to have to rip the bandaid off at some point. What does it matter if it's this year or next year, you're going to get into this pattern of one more year, one more year. I've seen it as a Giants fan. I lived it. It's horrible. You don't want to be there. I say, rip the bandaid off. Uh, you know, you're going to have to take a year and it's just going to have to be a suckage uh, of the year. Embrace the suckage Pittsburgh. Cause it's coming. <laughs> I like that. There, she she warned you. Hey, Cleveland on the rise. Still got Baltimore over there. Joe Burrow and Cincinnati. Yeah. I, hey, Burrow. Yeah. Like that's what I mean. You have all the. You got these two up and coming teams. I just. I'm not feeling it with Pittsburgh. I'm not. Mm-hmm. You make good points, Nick. You both make great points. I, I love having these little debates and discussions with you guys. It's awesome. We don't have to agree on everything. That's hey. That's what comes out. Unpopular opinions. Maybe they work. Maybe they don't. But. That's why we do it. I love it. I love this freaking show. It's awesome. Third and free podcast. Always Wednesday nights. We'll be back next week. We're probably going to do the AFC North. I think we'll talk about it, but you'll see. You know, everything's a surprise on this show. Before we get out of here, Nikki, you are a follow and a freaking half girl. Tell everybody where to get you. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Nikki Nick nine, three, eight, four. And if you like Bravo uh, with your sports, a little bit of housewives, I will be live tweeting real housewives of New Jersey in about 15 minutes. All right. <laughs> All right. So you guys look out for that. And D you've been rocking and rolling, man. Tell them about it, babe. Yeah, so you can find me on all social media platforms at The Real Deal, WDA. A lot of boxing, a lot of basketball, um, some random stuff. Definitely will be putting up a poll about how wings only belong in ranch and not in blue cheese. Yeah, yeah put that <laughs> up right away, please. I need to see the results. And um, also, I do my podcast, The Real Deal, with Damian Adams. You can find on all podcast platforms. And also the YouTube channel, The Real Deal, with Damian Adams. I do some reaction videos to boxing matches and basketball games on there as well. Yes, you do, man. And you do a great job. I love it. I see it. It really does. Bring the fire. It's great. Love it. Love it. And that's why he's on our team and we have him contracted in for the next 55 years. So he's going nowhere. (laughs) I got got a LeBron contract with Nike. Yep. You got the black contract. Third three, bro. You know that. Don't now D, don't be don't be like in cahoots with other podcasters trying to get on a better team. Yeah, like you're bro. already on the best one. So That's no, right. I'm already on I got James Harden and Kevin Durant right with me. I'm already on the best <laughs> team. <laughs> That's why my man is the greatest host on the freaking planet. I love it. And I am Jason Fearman, humbly at Sports Profit One. That's the number one you can find me interact. And definitely, guys, when you listen to the show, and a few of you haven't, it's great interact tell us what you think about the about the different topics you know the perfect running back that we put up tell us who you would put in those positions and everything we love your feedback and we'll always get back to you there's no doubt follow us at third and three podcast we'll follow your ass right back there's no doubt about it and we will be back next week with more of the goodies so for now we are out we love you let's all say peace peace bye 
Uh, that's all, folks. <laughs>